you're hiding, I'll break your fucking neck. Who are you? I'm the game warden. What? Bird season's over, Budhorn. Listening to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since everybody welcome to another episode of the ggtmc had a little bit of a special intro there just this morning <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> yes <laughs> well i don't know if you're turned up or not i can't hear you there buddy i i am i was just waiting for you to say uh i'm stingray and across the border from me is mcbain and uh... <laughs> <laughs> well i am uh the samurai and across the border from me is my good pal big willie and a little further south to me is my other good pal pickle loaf and we are here to talk about movies so I got my slinky. I'm ready to go. Yes, good stuff. <laughs> I am also just to give everybody a heads up. I am feeding a child as we are doing the show, so the full daddy effect going on here. So you may hear some some burping action going on. You may hear some uh, some flatulence, which I'll blame on the baby, obviously, and uh, <laughs> as all good men do. And uh, you know that's the way it goes. But uh, yeah. Also, I want to say a couple things in the intro. Uh, we can mention the uh, blog site again at the intro because I think a lot of people are going to hear it at the intro. So. We do have a new blog site out there. Uh, we talk about it at the end of the show as well, some more detail, but check it out. It's theggtmc at .blogspot.com. Definitely check it out. Thanks to Aaron and Isn't Dylan. Isn't it just ggtmc blog? I think it's the, no, it's the, the yeah. ggtmc.blogspot.com. Oh, right, right. Kind of like, uh, you know, like what's that one thing somebody says, the, some, I don't know, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, uh, we got that going for us, so definitely check that out. I think everybody's going to dig that. You're going to see a lot of writing from friends and from us, and, you know, hopefully we'll make it our homepage at some point. And then also... I want to say congrats on the air to uh, Mr. Bill Byforce and Miss Mel Byforce on the uh, pending birth of their first child they are expecting. So congrats to those two very much. Yeah, that's fantastic news. I heard it through the through, heard the rumblings myself. I, I I missed the live show, but I saw everybody giving congrats afterwards. So <laughs> yeah, I actually knew about it a while back and kind of joked around about it. <laughs> to uh, we got some coughing going on here. I guess the. Uh, I knew about it a while back, and I uh, accidentally kind of joked around and said something about it, and I didn't know about it at the time. And Bill's like, since I can say this now, Bill sent me a message, and he's like, thanks, douchebag. And uh, it was kind of funny. He's like, I didn't know anything about it, dude. I was just joking around. So, you know. But anyway, congrats to both of them. They're great people. And uh, couldn't happen to better people, actually, except, you know, well, I don't know what I say except for. <laughs> anyway, uh, my microphone's going to fall down because my son likes to kick. Uh, <laughs> This is going to be an adventurous episode for Sammy, so uh, we'll see what happens. But let's get into what we've been watching. I don't care which one of you guys go first, but uh, go ahead. Before before we forget, I do want to say that the blog that uh, we just talked about couldn't have been done without Aaron over at Death Rattle. He put a lot of time and work into it. I know Dylan helped him, uh, and they do have people like uh, Loaf and Matsuzaka, um, Emily, and, and Lightning Bug writing. So thank you to all those that have real helped uh, to realize this. Yes. And I guess I'll just keep telling everyone what I've watched. Um, I've watched a lot, but it's all been covered in TIFF episodes. So all I've really watched since we last recorded is not very much. Um, did I talk about Birdemic on the air? 
No, I didn't. No, you didn't. Uh, okay, first of all, I watched um, a documentary that um, was interesting, but I think handled kind of like it wanted to be like a black comedy of sorts, like a Coen Brothers film, but and they kind of mishandled it a bit. Um, it was one called Knee Deep, and it was this really bizarre case in um, like New Hampshire or, or Maine or somewhere where this farm had been in a family for years, and um, the mother didn't like that life, and when the father died, the mother sold it off, and then the son tried to kill the mother, and it was a bit of an inept case. Mm-hmm. Um, it was okay, not great. Uh, Birdemic was not great. Um, <laughs> one of those ones I just I just didn't get behind. I mean, <laughs> I know a lot of people did. I just couldn't get into it. I stopped caring with all the kind of romantic... Uh, it, there wasn't enough thrill. There was too much romantic and not enough thriller for me from when. All I can say is, I'm hanging out, hanging out with my family. Oh, God, it's pretty brutal. But, uh, <laughs> Having myself a party. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to give it another, another roll at some point, though. But um, Really, you don't need to. If you didn't like it, you're not going to like it the second time around. <laughs> yeah, not a big fan. Uh, I did watch Frozen, which I did like. I thought it was really good. Um, I don't think it was great, but I think in this day and age when everyone shits on remakes, uh, we see Green's done something original, and I think he's done a reasonably good job of maintaining suspense. And some of it may reach certain points where you're like, okay, really, the wolves are that insane? But come on, it's a fucking horror movie. I mean, you got to let go a little bit. Yeah, those are some crazy wolves. They are, but I really enjoyed it, man. I thought it was good, and I think too many people are shit-canning it. I, I definitely enjoyed it. And then um, I watched a Shaw Brothers one I hadn't seen called Killer Constable, which is more in line with kind of the the gray hat uh, as opposed to white hat, black hat. It was decent, not as good as I was hoped it was going to be. But, uh, yeah, that's all I've watched. All right, nice. Go ahead, Lofa. Right. I'll let you go. I'm feeding the young one here. Um, I watched a, I watched a fair bit. Not my, uh, my not my usual amount, though. I've been a little off lately, but um, started off last week. Uh, I watched the second in the Antoine Duanel series, the Truffaut movies, uh, Stolen Kisses, from '68. I, I really liked it. I, I really like this uh, the Duanel character. You know, 400 Blows was the first one I watched, so I'll have to watch. I, I've not been able to find the second one in the series. It's just a short film, but I'll have to watch the. Uh, the last one or two. So, um, I watched um, on after seeing a, I think a trailer that Will posted on the forums. The I watched Miami Connection, <laughs> and oh, wow, the uh, Dragon Force is a force to be reckoned with. Nice. <laughs> I had their songs stuck in my head for days. Um, that was it. Was fun. It was really bad, but it was fun. Um, I watched uh, a little late. But I was trying to keep up with OTC. Um, and watched Eyeball, the Umberto Lindsay Giallo, and it was, I could see why there's not been an official DVD release, it's kind of a mess, it, it was okay in parts, and I, I don't know, it, it, it ended up being pretty average for me. Yeah. Um, I watched Midnight Spares, and I'd totally forgotten what this was, I had it, I had it around, and and it was not very good, <laughs> The it's, a, it's an Australian, I guess, race car car thief movie but i don't know the first like three quarters of it are not very interesting the the last little bit when they actually get to the car stunts or it's really good but you know it's not ultimately enough to save the movie um i watched phantasm which i hadn't seen maybe since i was a child um and i don't know why i would have watched this as a child but um and it was it was really cool I, i i really didn't remember hardly any of it of course i remembered the tall man and the 
flying sphere, but that was about it. And it's really trippy. I think, uh, I don't know. It's, it's worth checking out if you haven't. And it's, I think it's probably safe to revisit if you haven't seen it in a while. So, um, one I started weeks ago and <laughs> I've been picked at and finally just sat down and watched the whole thing, uh, action USA. Nice. Um, <laughs> and you, you, when you will described it as just stuntmen doing a stunt movie, he was right. I mean, it's, it's, there's just constant, like it's one thing after another guys flying off bridges and out windows and there's some pretty incredible stuff. I mean, the, the movie itself is kind of shit, but <laughs> the, um, the, the, the stunt work is worth seeing that one alone. Um, I watched Shark Hunter, the Castellari uh, with um, Franco Nero. I thought this was going to be a Jaws exploitation kind of movie, but it actually wasn't. It ended up being like a little kind of heist movie almost. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. I, it was better than I thought it was going to be. You know, going in, I was expecting crap, but um, yeah, I liked it okay. Doesn't Nero have this, like the shag hair and the mustache in that one? Yeah, I couldn't tell if it, his mustache was out of control. I couldn't tell if that if he was wearing a wig though, because he always had the headband on, like he did, like he did in um, uh, was that Castellari of uh, Castellari Western that he was in, where he played a oh Kioma, yeah Kioma. Like I think he might have had a wig in Kioma, and it looked kind of similar to that. So, um, uh, another random choice. I watched The House on Sorority Row. Um, nice. from 83 yeah, it was okay <laughs> it, was, it is what it is it's kind of a I, I posted I think on Twitter or something at the time that it felt like a a silly giallo a silly 80s giallo um, it was it was kind of gory it was fun but not great um, I went to the theater and saw Get Low uh, Robert Duvall and Sissy Spacek and Bill Murray and this was great. I really liked Bill. Uh, uh, Duvall is enough to carry a movie for me, and he's so good in it. So nice. Um, good to hear. It, it's not a perfect movie, but uh, Duvall, like I said, Duvall is enough. And you know, Bill Murray provides the little. Uh, he's a little shysty, and he does the comedy stuff. And Duvall is just. He's eccentric, and his character's eccentric, and Duvall does it perfectly. And yeah, I'd, I'd recommend everybody see that one. Um, I watched Maniac Cop for the first time, nice. and it was it was really good. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know whatever, but it was uh, it is what it is too. And um, but yeah, I'll have to I'm I'm gonna get into more uh, very low budget Robert Zadar movies soon. So. <laughs> um, I watched the Bad News Bears for the first time in years. Um, Sweet. and I forgot how much profanity there was. In it. <laughs> yes. It's a dirty kids movie. <laughs> it is. It was awesome. And I, I really liked that he gave all the kids beers at the end. <laughs> that, that, yeah. That and uh, Spoiler alert. what I liked about the remake too, was that they managed to stay kind of dirty a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. that one great moment in there when Billy Bob Thornton, that fat kid's running and I was a fat kid growing up so I can rightfully say fat kid. And uh, he's running Engelbert or whatever, and Thornton says, uh, nice tits, Engelbert, or whatever, like said. <laughs> and I thought, I thought to myself, that's just mean-spirited, and that's what it needed to be, because that first film is very mean-spirited. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. I love, I love a uh, nasty math owl. Well, I like a nice one, too, but, you know. A nasty math owl sounds awesome. like a sex act, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched, uh, with my father-in-law last night, I watched the Gene Hackman uh, neo-noir night moves um, I know that 
Rupert's a big fan of this one. Um, it was really good. It, it, it felt like it was starting to drag a little, but um, the end kind of turned it around for me, and I thought it was really good. I liked the um, that it didn't have to it didn't have to get too big to be effective. And then um, I couldn't sleep last night, so I watched Drunken Master. I gave Jackie Chan another chance, and he didn't still didn't win me over, but I still enjoyed the film. There were parts, and I wish that. Jackie Chan would just stay away from animal fe- animal feces in general, but <laughs> <laughs> but the, some of the action was incredible. Like uh, just watching it, I was like, I love when I can watch an action movie and just smile at what's going on. And it was really, really well choreographed in in most parts. So it was pretty awesome. So, yeah, that was it. Nice, nice, good stuff. All right, I watched quite a bit. I watched like fifteen movies, or not counting the uh, two we watched for the show between the. But I've been off for two weeks on the show, so. And Will has watched quite a bit because he got the TIFF stuff in there too. So, But I watched a couple more 30 for 30s. Three more, actually. I watched uh, The Birth of Big Air. This is the Matt Hoffman one. I don't know if you guys know who Matt Hoffman is. but BMXer. Yeah. Uh, the guy's had 370-something concussions. Uh, oh, my God. I could say welcome to being an invalid at some point in his life. I mean, he's an insane, <laughs> yeah. he's an insane maniac, man. But this is one of the best ones I've seen. This is another one of the best ones. So highly recommend this one. This one's very good. Um, I too watched Birdemic. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a little bit more than Will. Uh, I kind of got behind it somehow, some way. It is easily the most inept edited film I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen some bad movies. Uh, this one, this one is on a level all its own when it comes to ineptitude with the editing. This is a really. If you could see me feeding this baby and talking into a microphone at the same time, you would be amazed. My back will go out here within five minutes. Um, I too watched Frozen. Uh, to keep with the Will theme. Uh, I didn't like it as much as Will, but I will say this is definitely Adam Green's best film so far. Uh, uh, it's much better. I didn't like the acting that much. It just got on my nerves for some reason. I don't know why, but really drove me nuts. But uh, I like the movie. It's pretty good. I mean, it's not bad. It's a little long, I think, for what it is, but I think it's pretty good stuff. It's like an extended Twilight Zone episode. Pretty good. I think I'd give it, like, if I had to rate it, I'd give it, like, a 6.75, maybe, maybe a 7. So it's it's good. Are you... So you liked it more than I did, then? I guess so. I guess I did. <laughs> How about that? All right. Uh, I'm so I'm so uh, lost right now because my neck is on one side of the room and my arms on the other side. So. <laughs> uh, okay. I watched uh, One Night in Vegas. This is another thirty for thirty. This is about the Tupac Shakur shooting uh, during the Tyson fight. This is the worst one I've seen. This one's just lame, so boring, and so terrible. <laughs> it's like, God, you, you got a great story here. How do you fuck it up? And they do. So it's, it's just terrible. Don't, don't watch that one, seriously. Not enough sugar in it for you? Now, there was some sugar in it, but not enough sugar. Uh, you know, he's, he's a nice guy, so, you know, I want to see more. Yeah, I'm being, facetious, I'm being facetious there. <laughs> uh, I watched also Jordan Rides the Bus. This is about Jordan when he, uh, you know, his dad died and stuff. This was a little bit more touching, but it's nothing you haven't seen before if you know about that story and stuff, so okay not great um i watched the death train this is a documentary about russian prisoners uh during world war ii uh sad terrible stuff uh only recommend if you're a nihilist like me sometimes i guess uh not, i'm not gonna say anything else about that one uh i watched uh, jake the snake roberts pick your poison this is an hour and 40 minute documentary on jake the snake uh wow good stuff it's weird because in the movie he's like all upset about Beyond the Mat and the way it was edited to make him look all bad and stuff. And then he proceeds in the beginning of this documentary to say stuff that's even worse than was in the Beyond the Mat. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what, what's what? You, you pick your poison, Jake, because I don't know what uh, what's going on there, buddy. You're like, oh, the Beyond the Mat guy screwed me over. And then at the beginning he tells you his life story, and you're like, 
dude, that's ten times worse than what I knew before. Yeah, <laughs> is Pick Your Poison a, a WWE production? Yes, it is, but it's, uh, it's okay. It's not as uh, lame as some of the other ones uh, in some ways because I mean it gets right down to the basics, and there's some really good stuff with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in there with his silver hair cool. and and uh, everything. It's yeah, like, they. I know when usually it seems like on those on their little documentaries if they have something like controversial or negative to say they're a little better than if it's just uh, somebody that still works for the company. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I watched uh, MacGruber. Don't ask me why, but I did. You know, this this this, this, this had some good moments. It had some good moments. It had some funny moments, and uh, it's a real shame that it didn't hold up. Uh, Val Kilmer's hilarious in the movie. He's fucking hilarious in it. Uh, which reminds me that you know he can do comedy very well. It's a shame he doesn't do it more often. Um, he's good in it. Uh, I just I got I got really bored with all the dick and homosexuality jokes. They get the homoerotic nature of action movies right for a while, but then all of a sudden it just becomes all dick jokes. And you know dick jokes are funny, but after ninety minutes of dick jokes, I didn't laugh anymore. So it kind of yeah. kind of lost me, unfortunately. Um, I watched Son of Rambo, which I had been meaning to watch for a long time. I liked it. It was pretty good. Uh, it wasn't fantastic, but it was pretty great. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I watched A Night in Heaven. Uh, be prepared for bonus content with that. I'm hooking up with Miles and Rupert to do a bonus show about the cougar-inspired male stripper flash dance ripoff known as Night in Heaven. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that, that should be fun. Oh. <laughs> it's on Netflix. The movie watch. database poster just, is just... <laughs> It's really terrible. Yeah, we're trying something different. The GGTMC's never covered a romantic drama slash thriller, so we'll see what happens here. <laughs> could be the worst bonus episode ever, or it could be the greatest. Who knows? Uh, I watched a couple documentaries, too. A couple more documentaries. Uh, something to Scream About, which is about Scream Queens, and Horror Business, which is about the horror business. Both these are okay. They're on Netflix. Just to watch. Uh, if you're interested, they're good. If you're not interested, they're probably not worth your time. Um I finished off the the girl who kicked the hornet's nest. I finished off the trilogy there. Uh, it's good. It's more of a courtroom drama type mystery type thing, but it's still good. I still like the first one the most though. Still the best one. Yeah. Um. Uh. Let's see what else I watched. Oh, the finally, uh, I, I watched uh, what I think will probably be on my top ten list for the year. I watched uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop, which is the oh, wow. documentary about Banksy and uh, you know street art and graffiti and stuff. This is pretty interesting stuff. I mean, especially considering. I don't know if it's really about street art as much as it's about like false celebrity, which I found very amazing and very interesting. So definitely check that one out. That was probably the best film I watched outside of Bulletproof and Undefeatable, of course, this past week. So, <laughs> But that's everything I watched. So a lot of movies there for everybody to check into. Now, without further ado, I am going to make us go to break because my arm is getting ready to fall off. This kid weighs, I bet he's gained 10 pounds in two weeks. So uh, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, did we even talk about what we were covering this week? I don't even know if I did. No. Uh, oh, okay. Well, we're covering the Gary, <laughs> we Busey, the Gary Busey film. Uh, we'll just call it Gary Busey is Bulletproof, uh, which I don't even remember what year it's from. Does anybody got the year? I think it's uh, Of course, I'm caught with my pants on as I... It's 88. 88, okay, okay. 88, and then uh, Undefeatable, yes. which I believe is, uh, is, that, is that 88 too? 89? Or is that 91? That's 93. Oh my and, God. And, and it should be said, Don Niam is Undefeatable. <laughs> yes. Well, almost. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. He loses out to Adrian, Adrian Paul or whoever that dude is. I don't know who that dude is. But uh, <laughs> we're going to take a break and we'll come back and we'll, let's do Undefeatable first. We'll do it in the field okay. first. Uh, so we'll be back right after this. What's up, kiddies? You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, the only show crazy enough to tackle the Brian Bosworth classic Stone Cold. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't break 
are back for break. That's our second uh, Funky 16 Corners track this week, and I can't remember the title of it. My apologies. <laughs> but it, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're uh, starting our coverage with Undefeatable. I'm going to let somebody synopsize it and get going on it while I finish feeding this child. All right, well, this was, I guess, my choice. Uh, this is one that's, that Will and I have giggled about for a few months. Um, This is a 1993 Godfrey Ho, or as it says in the film, Godfrey Hall film. Um, The synopsis on the Internet Movie Database says, Christy Jones avenges her sister's death at the hands of a crazed martial arts rapist. And while that's funny, I will say the story is definitely uh, more, feels more centered around the crazed martial arts rapist known as Stingray. So... Yes. Uh, we'll go ahead and get into uh, what you guys thought about it. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm just taking some pills right now again. So <laughs> I sound like I have, like Elmer Fudd. Give me one second. <laughs> All right, so this is a film that I, I just want to say to you right off the bat that both films we're doing today really do are our kind of immediate first ballot Hall of Fame GGTMC films. I think we can all agree <laughs> on that. You know, they're both pretty incredible. So Undefeatable is one that, um, being a bit of a fan of Godfrey Ho, I've gone on record as saying I think it's his Citizen Kane. And <laughs> that's, that's fair, totally. <laughs> because a lot of his films are those cut and paste, kind of take three films and meld them together. But this is one film, one cast, a singular vision from the auteur, known as Godfrey Ho, or Hall in this case. Um this film kind of has a lot of infamy because of that, that, that end fight scene is, is kind of a YouTube hit. Um, in fact, I posted it last year. I said, this is how Sammy and I greeted each other at uh, the airport in <laughs> Toronto. So, you know, but uh, I do want to say that when you see this film for the first time, it's very apparent early on that Ho isn't what you'd call an actor's director. You know, he kind of, he doesn't really uh, plumb the depths of human emotion and kind of get a lot of... <laughs> Oh, God. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's not really that film, of course. But um, I love that uh, early on we see there's, I think the film actually opens with that scene of um, of Stingray's wife. She's talking to her therapist. Um, and she's talking about how Stingray takes, I can't remember what his real name is, Paul or something maybe? Yeah, uh, it's Paul. Yeah, it's Paul. Oh, it's, yeah. And how she says that he takes place in death matches. And I thought to myself... You know, call me old-fashioned, but I don't remember death matches. Or call me barbaric, but I don't remember death matches having gloves and mouth guards involved. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, but, my, my note is death matches. Really, I mean, you know, it was pretty silly. And I love that the. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Lo. <laughs> so my first note was, "Oh my God, I can't write fast enough." <laughs> oh yes, no, that yes, yes, that was something that totally crossed my mind. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to write with two hands, and it's just. You know, it's not working, but I love that the, the black guy that uh, Stingray kills breaks the fourth wall and looks right at the camera. <laughs> and sticks his tongue out to push the blood out <laughs> yeah. of the fake blood. Yeah. just like, Bleh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he shows, I, I was saying, uh, Godfrey Ho, he shows more technical prowess in, as far as filmmaking goes than I think I've ever seen. I've not seen a lot, but, you know, with as as Paul's wife is talking in the in the... Uh, Barbara Walters lit therapy office, and the uh, and then you get the you know the intercut, this flash sideways with the with Paul fighting. It's, it was you know 
Yeah, very nothing awesome. that a I can see couldn't do. I can see where they got the the uh, the inspiration for Lost with the Flash Sideways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, this is the, this is the uh, influence. And what's great is it's got that technique that they used to you know uh, a lot of times they they went and milked this cow a lot in films where anytime there was a, like a, a public fight the like the audience was blackened out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was just like the ring. Um, it's really, yeah, it's, this, it's a really weird Godfrey Hill film because it feels like it has production value, which like hardly any Godfrey Hill films I've ever watched feel like they have any production value. They just feel like snippets of everything he's grabbed over the years. Well, let, well, the term production value is of course relative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, you know, let's be fair, but no, it does look like there was more than you know, kind of bologna sandwiches uh, and and grape drink on on uh, like craft services for this one. Yes, um, and of course with that that death match uh, that of course uh, Jennifer is it Jennifer? No, what's his wife's name? Uh, oh, Anna. 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 Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anna. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking throw my back out even worse talking about these two fucking films. Um, this is, of course, the first in, in a long line of wide-eyed stingray shots. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I took a note on this on the faces, too. I mean, this guy, oh, my God, man. His eyes, are, they're just going to bug out. But Well, um, well let, me, let me go ahead and drop this bomb on you because I got the, the uh, we always say, the, the dream child of, like, the you know two or three celebrities. And I got the one. Child. Yeah, the love child. Yeah, there we go. Dream child. Well, it could be the dream child, too. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Okay, Stingray is like he's a mix of Yakov Smirnoff, Barry Man- <laughs> Barry Manilow, and Gene Wilder. <laughs> I I said he was the the cousin Larry of death matches. <laughs> yeah, totally was a better tan man. Yeah, the hair totally took me into Gene Wilder territory, and some of his looks, I was sitting there thinking he's going to break into Mandy, man. I know. He does look like what's that guy's that actor too? Like you said, look, Mark. Um, Mark Lynn Baker. Mark yeah, Lynn Baker. Ah, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Good call. You throw, those, you throw those four in a blender, and you have heaven. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, and I want to say so. We kind of see that Stingray's kind of entrance, and then we get, of course, our hero. Well, there's two heroes really. Of course, there's Cynthia, mm-hmm. but but the uh, the super cop known as Nick DeMarco, who you know happens upon what I think has to be the most odd pairing of criminals in the history of cinema. We get a Pittsburgh Pirates era Barry Bonds and uh, the love love child of Brian James and Danny Trejo who somehow was somehow worse skin and teeth. (laughs) Oh man, that Tegas teeth were awful. They were (laughs) terrible, man. But, you know, Nick DeMarco comes in and he busts them and he shows them the crime doesn't pay and it was uh, it was a pretty good scene, and I you know I do want to say that as much as we're gonna we're gonna roll with this one. So here, look, the here, one- here's the question I got to ask though: Is Nick DeMarco, known as also John Miller, is he a better actor than Doug Chiam or vice versa? Um. Well, I got I don't know, man. That's a tough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that Stingray is a better actor. As far overacting as he does. At least he commits to it. I, I, the, the problem I have with DeMarco is like he tries to play the sex symbol or the Miller guy. He tries to play the sex symbol, and then he tries to do the overacting, too. The scene where he's wearing a fucking buccaneer outfit and fucking working out with a stick. Stop my back. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. I love that a lot of times when he's conveying emotion, it's like it, it's really just like he doesn't know who farted. <laughs> He just catches that whiff, man, in one nostril. Yeah, it's fucking oh, real ridiculous, Jesus. man. 
John Miller. Anyway, it was Miller time, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, this film actually early on features something that we talked about, which has kind of become a fashion plate in the GGTMC. And that, of course... Yeah, I know no where you're going with this. know where I'm going with this. We get not one, but two steel-plated hats and, and Rothrock's uh, <laughs> street gang. I mean... And, one, and one, the- of, one of them says, nasty girl. <laughs> The other one, the other one said, "Nasty boy." <laughs> I mean, fucking sick. Oh <laughs> I can't believe I'm laughing this hard at nine twenty-eight in the morning. I can't even keep my shit together here, man. Um, but they're literally the most unimposing gang in the history of cinema. <laughs> Oh, they really are, man. Especially the the uh, I guess the Ori uh, not to say Oriental. I can't say that really. It's kind of racist anymore. But the uh, the Eastern triumvirate that is those three goofbags are fucking are always going to find Christy like, hey Christy, you know, and like I'm I'm going to go to college. And it's like, what the no, fuck? No, we're not. Our IQ's too high. Yeah. <laughs> this had to have been like Godfrey Ho's, excuse me, Godfrey, Godfrey Hall's nephews or something that were living in the Baltimore area when they filmed this. <laughs> yes. Those dudes, man, they were the worst. They, they, like, I don't know what he ever thought about. I know, like, what, whatever made him think, you know, these guys look like gangsters of any sort. I mean, it was, they had to be his nephews. That's a great call. But anyway, so we see Christy, who's Cynthia Rothrock's character. We haven't really talked about her too much because we've talked about. <laughs> the fantastic duo of Stingray and uh, Super Cop Nick DeMarco, but she plays the leader of this gang, and, and she goes about street fighting and underground street fighting, and and we see a series of matches with her, and, uh, you know, the first one we see, she takes on some black guy who, who wears kind of a crisscross chain ensemble with an Iron Mike Sharp band on his arm. And <laughs> I really wanted to know how he had that chain attached in the back. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering. It was that. like a chain bandolier and it must have yeah. been a lock or something on the back. But <laughs> Yeah, no, it's really bizarre with the champion uh, well, sweatshirt of all things. Well, this is, a, this is a film that just screams, like, I heard you guys saying I had to step away to get a swing for my son so I could put him in the swing while I could do this podcast. And uh, I heard you saying by Ray GGTMC-like, and first of all, the has with the metal plates, boom, that's one, but then you get that guy with the chain <laughs> bandolier, and then of course you get my favorite thing in '80s and obviously late '90s movies or early '90s movies, which is, you know, uncalled for football pads and fucking Zubaz pants. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, what was that guy's name? Not Pigsty. Um, giant Bear. Yeah, it, was, bear. it was it was Bear. Yeah, Scott Shelton yeah. played Bear. Scott Shelton, the the thespian, and he, you know, what's weird? He kind of looked like Roy Halladay for baseball fans a bit. <laughs> Like a really a squirrely kind of Roy Halliday, but you know, say what you will about Ho, and I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but or if I've just been too excited to even get to it. But at least Ho kind of knew where the strengths lied with his film, and as much as he approached it with the usual kind of Ho, kind of dumb but fun vim and vigor, he at least knew he had some good fighters. And you know, we can talk about the acting and everything else, but when you get down to it, this really uh, is a film that features some pretty talented martial artists. Mm-hmm. And I and I will say there there's some pretty great um, low I guess low effect but high impact stunt work. Yeah, no. There's some guys that take some serious falls, like even from a short distance, like a guy that face first into the sidewalk, and the guy that did the big one off the off the parking deck onto the hood of a. I mean, onto the roof of a Explorer was pretty incredible. So. Yeah, he got. Well, I was gonna say, he got the old. He, yeah, he got the old. I see you finishing move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was one take. You could see it when he was on the second deck of the parking garage. Yeah. He fell off there and onto the Explorer. Like, yeah. I don't care how much padding he had on, that had to hurt. Oh, it had to. God. It had to. 
Yeah, no, definitely. That's why I'm standing up now because my back's been tightening up from all this laughing. Uh, Rick, Ricky, Yoon, um, Ricky Yoon's in the film too, and Ricky Yoon's done quite a bit of stuff. So, oh, I think he was one of the uh, yeah, one of he, her yeah he was guys, one of her handlers. Um, I, I love you know I don't know if the American legal system's different than the Canadian one, but. I never, if I had have known about the scholarly sister loophole in the legal system, I'd be doing a lot more in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's okay. Her sister's in college. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah okay. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Uh, and, and Rothrock's hair, it should be said early on, at least matches her crushed velvet shirt. And <laughs> her hair proceeds to get more wild and more intricate as the film goes on, which I, I just, I didn't understand that. You, I, was, I want to know yeah. what his decision was. It was inconsistent as hell. My, the other thing about Rothrock's character that was really inconsistent and strange is how the first fight she's wearing jeans, but the rest of the fight she wears like cat suits. Yeah. I don't understand why the first one she had to wear jeans and she had to wear the cat suit the rest of the way, but yeah, her hair oh, changes, those... her, her hair changes style all the time. Well, clearly because the stakes got higher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those jeans were really bad. <laughs> The ones at the beginning. Oh, it yeah. made her look like she was wearing like a meat diaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, it reminds, it reminds me that the early 90s really were in a lot of ways, when I see stuff from the early 90s now, were even worse than the 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking terrible, man. Oh, yeah. Um, everybody, was wearing, everybody was wearing Van Damme pants. Oh, yeah. They were all wearing Van Damme pants. Um, <laughs> I love that uh, when Rothrock gets picked up by Supercop DeMarco... <laughs> I don't think she's ever been arrested because she doesn't understand the process of being interrogated when she she kind of says in a huff, well, what are you all picking on me for? <laughs> Normally what happens is, you know, you get questioned by the police officers who arrest you on suspicion of something, dear. But I just kind of love that she, her level of frustration with that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we kind of talk about Stingray, but I think one thing we have to say, we can't really put the uh, the card ahead of the horse here too much, is easily... In the pantheon of greatest hair ever featured on our show. I mean, this is in there. <laughs> He's he worked hard on that thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really incredible. He also, and I, mean, and I don't know if it's just him, but I have to give credit to him. He also has the greatest whip pans back toward camera acting I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, I'm being facetious. It's actually the worst. There's like this pause, turn. There's another pause, and then dialogue is spoken. <laughs> Yeah, it's great, but I'll tell you, with hair like that, why shouldn't he be able to sodomize his wife at the dinner table? I mean, yeah, I think Hall was being artistic there. He's got the sodomy scene, the frying steak, and scenes of a death match all intercut. Well, that, that's what I wonder, and I'm going to get a little bit crass here for a moment, forgive me, but I can't help but wonder this. When Hall kind of intermixes him sodomizing his wife at the dinner table with the burning steaks, it's somehow the smell of his wife's asshole and this burnt steak... Harkens him back to the sweaty black man. I don't know what Hull was trying to say about the male psyche here. Yeah, it's very bizarre. <laughs> Scorsese, look out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we know that um, Stingray is tops on top. That is, of course, with his hair, but he's tops on bottom as well, wearing tan suede cowboy boots. <laughs> so, I didn't even notice his boots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're too busy looking at the hair, but you really see that he is you know, bulletproof, a bulletproof fashion plate. You know, um, yes. five deadly venoms of fashion, if you will. Yeah. Um, and what's great about him is, you know, call him barbaric for sodomizing his wife, but this guy does bring her more flowers than Tommy Wiseau did. Yes, yes, he does. He every time he shows up, he's got flowers. That reminds me. There's a lot of scenes in this movie where characters show up. It's like Nick DeMarco. No matter what Cynthia Rothrock's doing or where she's at, he shows up. 
Well, you know, him, him and um, Maurizio, Maurizio Merrily went to police school together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. You know, um, but I, I, I wanted to leave the line. Sammy, I was going to bring this line up, but I think you should bring it up. What, what is really Stingray's great line when he's looking for Anna? Oh, the uh, if you're hiding, I'll break your fucking neck line. If yeah. you're hiding, I'll break your fucking neck. Fantastic. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay if i am hiding i'm definitely going to come out now <laughs> yes oh okay <laughs> yeah. yeah let me get another snake on the grill and lube up my butthole for you there stingray yeah, <laughs> yeah. let me get another pat of butter over here please <laughs> yeah. um but yeah and i love that whole you know kind of hangs uh stingray out to dry emotionally with some of that stuff after the dear john letter gets delivered to him yeah <laughs> where he pounds the table and he's just you know Worst use of slow motion ever on the GGTMC. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. And, you know, it really, when I, when I think about him in this film, he's kind of like, literally, like the Terminator with a mommy complex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. He's been programmed with, like, this bizarre kind of yep. Oedipus, uh, or electric, no, no, Oedipus complex. Um, tough fucking tits and red hairspray, though. Yeah, yeah. I like when he I like when he puts the stripes in. All of a sudden now he's you know he's on the prowl. It's on. <laughs> that was a, that was the, probably the best when he's staring in the mirror and he's like, Anna, I will find you. I will find you. <laughs> yeah, and you can see the hair starts to go red. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, you kind of get the sense that Rothrock was about 10 years older than Ho envisioned her character being. Yeah, yeah. That, this is kind of the vibe I got. I, I don't know. I mean, but he had to kind of go with it. You know, Rothrock was uh, one of the, and is one of the leading uh, female martial artists. So um, I love that uh, Stingray has a really harshly lit and really like all 80s Hong Kong genre films. He has a really harshly lit layer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of floodlights. Yes. <laughs> you know, I wanted to get some some screenshots of uh, when he's got some of the women chained up. It's uh, he's got like samurai swords and he's whipping them with chains and and he's got the slaughter video light behind them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey, Sammy, I know you weren't going to bring this up, but I had to card you on it. Uh, did you see when uh, Bear was fighting that one of the guys in Bear's Yang was wearing a Steelers shirt? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Obviously I did. Before that, the days of the... That, uh, that was actually me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I showed yeah, up on yeah. set and said, I want to do a scene, Godfrey. And he's like, hey, just put the shirt on. I'm like, hey, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Stingray, again, you know, he, he, he maintains his fashion plate status by jumping into... Another staple of uh, the GGTMC, the sleeveless jean vest with no shirt. Yeah, the old Canadian <laughs> tuxedo top there. Yeah, the Canadian tuxedo. And he, he, he dispenses his bear at the trailer park with this one. So. Yeah, it's too bad he didn't have a shark tooth on. Would have been complete. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. He really should have had a shark tooth on. <laughs> yeah, he it, should. It is a shame. <laughs> a Mako tooth. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Oh, you know which guy I probably I really wanted to I wanted to see Stingray somehow mistake him for his wife was the fucking douche in the red that kind of combined kung fu with interpretive dance and mimicking his inner bird. Uh, or something was his name. They got to have little uh, claw. My note about him is: isn't Mister Eagle Jacket a fabulous little martial artist? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I love that they try to uh, the visual thing for him to show you how powerful he is. is 
one of his crew throws an apple at him and he crushes the apple with his bare hand. Clearly, the apple is so rotten that you can see like how brown it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a mush <laughs> apple. Yeah, you know, but it was, it was pretty great. Um, and I love Lee's girlfriend. She does the Arsenio pump a few too many times when she's cheering him on. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> really great. Um, what else do I got here? Uh, Okay, so to jump into more serious things, there's a scene with Cynthia Rothrock where she's fighting, I don't know which guy this is now, it's pit fight number four or five, where she, uh, pretty good sequence where a guy kicks a rolling chair at her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That looked really good. Like I said, you, you, there's some really talented martial artists here. Um, but I love, uh, I love, um, Mike and Nick DeMarco, how they they have this really awkward high five after Mike scores the mid-court fifth row basketball tickets. Yes, yes. <laughs> and also, let me, and I'm going through my notes too as well, because I know we got a cutoff time we got to stop at this morning, but Mike is, he's an expert CSI. He sees a body in an outhouse and immediately knows she was tortured and raped. All I can yeah. think is promotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fucking good. William, Peters, he, William Peterson who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um... I love how um, the psychiatrist, uh, the, or the abnormal, she does studies abnormal psychology or whatever the fuck it was, how she kind of pulls an Amy Steele on in Friday the 13th Part 2 on Stingray. <laughs> it just doesn't quite work as well. Um, and also, I have to say that death doesn't ride a horse. Death rides a Plymouth Voyager minivan. Yes. <laughs> I yes. thought it was a Dodge Caravan. Well, so did I, but... Uh, it's funny, yeah. you know, I've always had this theory that when uh, filmmakers from other countries come over here, they don't know how to use cars like American filmmakers do, because cars are more of an American thing, right? And yeah. the reason why I say that is also, you know, the, the fight scene in the uh, garage where the guy gets, you know, just beat up and stuff, this guy's a, a playboy, he's got him a hot girlfriend, which she is not. And, uh, you know, everybody, by the way, every, every woman that wears a floral dress of any type is Anna for Stingray. I don't know if we mentioned that, but yes. And uh, But anyway, Stingray just comes up and starts dissing the guy in front of his Ford Probe, man. I mean, <laughs> guy's got the pimp daddy car, the Ford Probe, and Stingray just goes right at him. You can't do no, that. You can't do that, man. Um, I really, you know, we talked about Mr. CSI, and I fucking hated Nick's partner for some reason. I was so happy when he finally got shot in the neck. Oh, me too, man. I was hoping Nick would take him out when he was wearing the buccaneer pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I love that uh, Stingray knows how to accessorize and gets the uh, the Cobra knife near the end of the film. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's funny that he gets the cobra knife because it's kind of finished off in like a Fulci Cobra way. Yeah. <laughs> no. it, what's really funny really about that scene to me is, and I, that that is the infamous scene. Okay, that's the infamous YouTube clip, worst fight scene ever, one of those type of scenes. My favorite thing about best. yeah yeah we have the best fight scene. Oh, that's right, maybe worst best. You, you know, pick your poison there, as Jake the Snake would. But uh, what I love about that scene the most is that has the greatest shirt tearing off moments. <laughs> Oh, I have yeah. ever seen in cinema. Oh. Those moments are fucking gold. I mean, those shirts are totally in those guys' way, and they're going to let you know that. Yeah, that that was really that that is the height of it. I mean, really, <laughs> the height of that whole the homoeroticism in film. That that is where it reaches its apex, and you know, it's a, it is a fantastic sequence. Uh, yeah, I'll let you yeah. guys talk about more, but I love how. Afterwards, they finally have time to grieve because uh, Anna's or Christie's sister has gotten killed by Singray. Um, and I love how they really class up the funeral by all wearing their double-breasted leather jackets or their bomber jackets. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. 
of course, I, I love how, how the super cop, in one final move of outwittery, if that's even a word, uh, reminds Christy that, hey, I enrolled you. <laughs> I, don't you guys laugh. I enrolled you all in college. Yeah. Oh, that ending made me want to punch somebody in the throat. <laughs> These are all my notes. I far be it for me to hog all the fun here. Well, I'll just go over a couple more things, and I'll let Loaf go over some things if he has them. But I, I love the towel attack. I mean, unlike Balboa in Rocky Four, Rothrock knew when to throw the towel in. She came hardcore with that towel, swinging it and moving it around and stuff. Oh, yeah. I love that. And I have to give Godrejo a little bit of credit. I mean, he is a bit of a hack director, but I have to give him a little bit of credit. He manages to keep the eye theme through the whole thing. Uh, because there are many hazards to the eyes in this last fight. It's like anything you could trip over and poke your eye out with. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that would happen. Have a field day with that stupid laundry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm knocking on wood here because I hope I don't get up here in a minute and trip over something and poke my eye out. But you know, what's the what's the odds of poking your eye out on all these weird fixtures that are all over the place? You know, I mean, it's just really bizarre to me. The movie is the movie's insane. I mean, it's insane. I mean, not only do, I don't know if we mentioned that Christy is a waitress slash pit fighter. Yes, so, she is. That's right. <laughs> so right there, money for her for her uh, sister to go to medical school. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I mean, it's it's very interesting stuff. But we talked about this a little bit off there. I mean, Will did. I mean, it is one of Ho's very, well, probably maybe one of his most consistent films. Uh, most of his films are, you know, it's good to see that he kept the bad fashion sense, even in his more consistent work. Because, I mean, we did Ultimate Ninja, and everybody wore terrible clothes. It looks like they bought it at a flea market in a fucking harbor or something. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, he sees the, uh, evidently clothes and cars and things like that, those aren't his forte. His forte just seems to be making movies really quick. Although the fight scenes are pretty good in some spots. I mean, they're a little ridiculous, but especially the Stingray stuff. It's like Doug Chim. It's like, don't touch the face, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. His yeah. scenes and then the cop. I mean, those are those are just hilarious because they're not hitting each other. They're just flexing and screaming. <laughs> and why does he lick? Why does he lick the blood off the knife? What What was the point of that? <laughs> well, that was that's a, that's a, I think that's a kung fu thing. You see that happen a lot, and <laughs> yeah. they do it in anime too. I don't understand that at all. You know, if I've got a knife, I'm going to go after a guy. I'm not going to stand there and lick the knife. <laughs> he really tongued that thing down. Yeah, he did, man. He got in there. Like we're, we're operating on a different plane than um, than the stingray. He, he, that blood was touching the taste buds in the back. Yeah. <laughs> that was on his. Uh, what's that thing called? The uh, the epiglottis. Yeah, yeah. That was the epiglottis, man. But, you know, if I'm in a fight and if I, if the other dude across from me licks the knife and screams at me, I'm gonna be like, dude. We're fighting. Stop it. <laughs> it's going to ruin the momentum of my fight. I was I was mad, and now I'm just laughing. <laughs> yeah. But there are a lot I'm of a great... scared. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of great moments, and it was great to see the Cobra knife again and, and stuff like that. I mean, I think this is a film for a certain taste. I mean, obviously, if you you know hear us laughing and giggling and stuff, you'll have a blast. This is a great party movie. As a matter of fact, both movies this week are great party movies, and if you have people over and stuff, they're great stuff to kind of show people. Um, you know, you get a get-together going and stuff, but... Uh, I really don't have a whole lot more to add. We'll hit every. It's almost, almost every note you mentioned. I'm sitting there checking them off. Uh, so I think we were on the same page pretty much throughout the whole thing. Uh, yeah, all, all three of us. I mean, I, I, I looking through. I was you know I was following along in my notes and you know checking off almost. So, so I think. We'll, I, um, I think. Sorry, okay. I think it's just one of those things, Loaf uh, and and um, uh, fuck Rick uh, Rick Ware. It's just. Um, I mean, the, the stuff that's so fantastic just screams at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. The Janet Jackson yeah, hats, the, everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rhythm Nation 1814. Yeah, that was, that, uh, that was actually who her gang was. It was the Rhythm Nation. 
<laughs> the Hong Kong version. <laughs> yeah. The uh, yeah, I, I, I did uh, love that Paul's favorite dinner that um, his wife left for him was a plate of frozen broccoli and cauliflower <laughs> when she left him the dear John. Yeah. And um, but yeah, this this film is a it's it is the pinnacle of bad line delivery it's like the lines are bad and the delivery is bad on top of it because it's a lot of people turning into the camera with their eyes open and and just very strange like you know his wife saying every time you call me mommy you choke the life out of me (laughs) or or i I, when you said the dodge caravan it made me remember this when he's he's riding along and the windows rolled down and he sees that woman he's just says anna That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. There's a whole lot of scenes where characters are just running into people. And like it's like anytime you needed something to happen, the Stingray just drives into the scene. You know? It's, it's, there's no logic to any of it. You know, They don't have any establishing scenes that he's riding around looking for Anna. He just shows up in places and he goes, Anna. Or Mommy. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's, I don't know why. I've not seen a Rothrock movie in years. But um, I seem to remember her martial arts looking a little better. Well, um, it depends what director she's working with. I mean, respectfully to yeah. Poe, I mean, you get her working with more talented directors, and you can see it on display more. She hasn't done anything. Yeah, like, she hasn't done anything in a while. She's kind of been outside the. Uh, I think she hasn't done anything since two thousand four, actually. So, yeah. So she but, looked. I don't know. She looked a little stiff. Uh-huh. Like when she was when she was working out by herself, it was it was pretty cool. But some of the fight moves seemed really stiff. And then I was really disappointed that she had a, a obvious stunt double for some of the. You know some of the flips and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a, there was one, where it was obvious it was like it was like a, some kind of corkscrew move, and it was obviously a dude in a wig, <laughs> like it's just this big guy, and like lands on his feet. <laughs> she um, she was also part of that. Uh, it seemed like when I I remember her earlier films where she they would speed up the fight scenes. Didn't they used to do that for her scenes? I believe they did. Um, I don't know. I think some of her some of her earlier work or some of her straight to video work. I think if you look at some of that stuff, I think you'll see some sped up. Uh, fight scenes a little bit, so. But she, yeah, I mean, but the, um, she is talented, though. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from her. No, no, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, they and sped the, up Scott Atkins too, and we know he's talented. So, I mean, some some directors mm-hmm. just like to speed stuff up a little bit. Um, I like how their uh, martial arts expert um, comes in and says the uh, the dragon Chinese style was developed in Okinawa before the war. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was pretty cool, and uh, you know, I was thinking as I was watching, I was like, you know, this film could probably be thirty minutes shorter without all the slow motion and the extended stare downs and the face facial posing, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, it's like every two minutes there's a slow motion something or other, including a, a great um, styrofoam snow pe- of styrofoam peanut show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when in his uh, in his slaughter video lit warehouse <laughs> with empty boxes and. Yeah, you know, chains. That yes, he just yes. wraps around people's wrists. But um, you know, I will go out on a limb here and say that the you know that final fight it may be the best cinematic fight between two white guys in a hospital laundry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, I don't think anything else can compare to it. Actually, <laughs> I'm looking through I'm looking but, through Rothrock's uh, filmography, and she's worked with some true legends. I mean, she really has. She's worked with Bolo Young. She's worked with Tony LaBianco. She's worked with uh, Marshall Teague. She's wearing Marshall Teague, of course, the uh, shark tooth wearing bad guy in Road War- Roadhouse. So uh, <laughs> she's worked with some true. I don't, I don't know why she's not working anymore. I thought she was working more. So forty-seven movies. I don't know. Maybe what was the one movie that she, was really popular for her? Oh, China O'Brien films. That's right. She did those China uh, O'Brien. Getting, films. Yeah, 
She's getting a little up there too. I mean, yeah, she yeah. is. She's yeah. been working yeah. since the early eighties, man. I think. Yeah. She's, she's in her mid fifties, as far as I know. Ooh, whoa, hello. Well, I'll be there before I know yeah. it too. All right, so I guess I guess that's all of our reviews. Will you want to do your uh, scores and MVTs? Absolutely. Uh, Make or break really is the last fight. I mean, but how do you pick one scene in this? I mean, yeah. this thing is is I mean, solid fucking platinum from from the first second of the film. I mean, it, it really if you have a certain sensibility and taste like we do, um, you know, this really is a pantheon film. But the last fight really is. We get all three of them together, and there's the shirt ripping, and the the eyes, and then the knife licking, and lots of good <laughs> stuff. Um, the most valuable thing is just that that Godfrey Ho energy he brings to this kind of rompy film. It, um, you know, the martial arts rapist. I mean, it just, you know, it, it really is the most valuable thing about the film. What gives it that kind of fun and vibe is is that my score for the film is an 8.5 out of 10. Wow. Of course, of course, prefacing that by saying that's in the context of what it is right um, yes th- this clearly isn't in line with say a bittersweet life or yeah. you know the conversation or something like that but you know in terms of what it is and what it advertises on the tin it certainly delivers in spades yeah well, that's a good point yeah that's actually a score i didn't expect but that, that, that's why i'm laughing i was like wow I, I can see where you're going though with that i did a little differently but i can totally understand that uh, I'll go with uh, Make or Break also at the last 10 to 15 minutes. I like it. even the build-up to the fight is good. So, And even just the, even the hokey Scooby-Doo ending is kind of funny to me for some reason. I don't know. I just loved how ridiculous it was. Uh, uh, my MVT for the film is uh, Doug Neum. I, I just love Stingray. Every time he's on screen, uh, he's not a good actor. He didn't do a whole lot of work. Is that his name, Neum? Is it Neum? Or Neum? Don Neum. Yeah. Don, Don Neum. Don, not Doug. But either way. Stingray is what he'll always be known as to me, but uh, he—he's uh, just on. He, see, there's something about him. I don't know what it was that made me really enjoy him on screen. And uh, the guy's aged well. Uh, as his IMDb <laughs> photograph will let you know, as he will have you know. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do a whole lot of films. He only did seven movies, so it's kind of weird. It's a shame. It's a shame somehow. His boat and Bruno Mattei's boat never crossed streams. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, he's totally made for Bruno T- Mattei films. Because then we would have that would have been like Mattei's uh, Mattei's. Um, he would have been to Mattei what De Niro was to Scorsese. <laughs> nice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My score for the film is a solid seven out of ten. I mean, uh, I can see where Will's going with his. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go on. This might be and probably is actually. Uh, Godfrey Ho's masterpiece. I don't know. He's made like 90 films, and that was just last year. But uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. This is the best one I've ever seen. And, I, and oddly, uh, I'd only seen this film in clips forever. I never actually seen the whole narrative, which was uh, <laughs> enticing to say the least. But uh, no, it was a good. It was a good time, man. I mean, I laughed the whole time. I had fun with it. Uh, you can't ask for anything more from a movie like this. It, the one thing it never did was it never bored me. And that was yeah. my big, my biggest fear was it was going to bore me because. Uh, all the whole films I've seen, there, there's like good moments and funny moments mixed with a lot of kind of boring moments. So, all right, Loaf, what do you got to say about it? Yep, all, all, of mine's the, all of mine's the same. Make or break, the final fight that everybody can check out on YouTube. Uh, I think it's called The Greatest Fight Ever or something like that. But <laughs> um, it, it all builds up to that and that it totally makes the movie. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty hilarious. And then, um, you know, Don... Stingray Neum's performance, his his, his wide eyed, uh, grunty performance is one for the GGTMC ages at least. And right. I gave it a seven point seven five out of ten. Nice, nice. Um, 
yeah, it's, I mean, obviously not a <laughs> high quality film, but <laughs> for, for people in the right audience, it's going to, it's going to pay out for you big time. Yeah. yeah. If I was to go on uh, the scale Will went on, I'd give it easily like Will did, like 8.5, 8.75. Because this is like one of those kind of movies like when people come over, you're like, oh, dude, have you ever seen Undefeatable? And they say no, and you're like, oh, shit, this shit's going to happen right now. <laughs> Your <laughs> life will start right now. We're going to watch Undefeatable you, right now. I'll get, have a seat. I'll, I'll get you a beer. <laughs> yes, I'll be right yes. back. <laughs> We're doing Undefeatable right this moment. So it's one of those kind of movies, so. All right, so that's our thoughts on Undefeatable. We're going to take a short break, come back, and talk about Gary Busey is bulletproof. We'll be back right after this. Are you still looking for that special someone? Have other dating websites let you down? Hi, I'm Craig Fritz Rualdo, host of LoveFinder.com, telling you to listen to Show Show at showshow.podomatic.com. Too many websites all in one sentence? You betcha. But Show Show is a podcast about movies for people like you don't know what love is listen to show show every week at showshow.podomatic.com or search show show all one word in the itunes store this will be You want to talk about a surreal experience? I'm sitting there listening to the break. I'm watching the time and everything else. I'm sitting leaning down trying to make my son smile and laugh and everything at the same time. And I'm like, hey, this is just a weird experience, man. All this stuff going on at once right now. And then the whole time I'm looking at a picture of Henry Silva as well. So, you know, it's like <laughs> all, of my, all of my worlds collided at once. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. So our next film is uh, Bulletproof from 1988. Uh, this was. Uh, I don't know if this really was a selection of mine so much. It might have been on my list after Brian Higgin, uh, Brian, I should say. I'm not going to say his whole name. I always do that. I almost call him out by whole name every time. Hopefully you don't mind. But uh, anyway, he, I think he originally was the one that sent us uh, some feedback on Bulletproof and telling us Busey calls people butthorns and things like that. And we were like, oh, yeah, maybe we should get around to this at some point. We saw this cast, you know. And we're like, oh, this totally got a cast for us and stuff. So we figured this would be a good time as I need to put them in. And wow, I didn't really think, you know, we'd put two films together that were so GGTMC-like as these two films. I mean, talk about um, serendipity, to say the least. Uh, just a magic moment. But anyway, Bulletproof was 1988, directed by Steve Carver. It, the plot synopsis goes as such. A group of dangerous terrorists succeeds to get hold of a tank of the army and all its crew. That is a terrible synopsis. Who wrote that? <laughs> Who wrote wow. that? Godfrey Hall wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or Nick DeMarco wrote it. Nick DeMarco wrote it while wearing his buccaneer pants. Uh, but yeah, a group of dangerous terrorists succeeds to get hold of a tank of the army and all its crew. Okay, so anyway, there you go. You get the basic idea. Can you hear my son in the background talking? He's, he's like, no. Oh, good. I, the mic ain't picking him up. He's like talking to me. I'm holding his pacifier by hand. He's like looking at it like, like a dog wanting a treat, man. Here you go, Chief. There you go. He's like smiling shit. All right. Uh, okay. So who wants to take the lead on this thing? Uh, who's who's interested in taking the lead on this? And I don't use this term lightly. Masterpiece. Who wants to take the lead on this thing? Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sure. Um, this was actually the uh, the second time I had watched this movie, um, and this time I kind of went in 
I went into it with a different, uh, trying to look at it from a different point of view. And I was thinking as I was watching, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this pretending, or maybe it might have been reality, that as they were filming, they only t- they're only telling Busey the bare minimum of what he's going to be doing. They're like, okay, in this scene, we need you to do this. He doesn't know the story. He doesn't know anything. And it worked. <laughs> it was, yeah. I was hard-pressed to find anything where it didn't quite work out. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what gave me the idea was right at the beginning when uh, – when Busey is sitting there, him and his partner are sitting in a car waiting for a bus. This is kind of like pretty standard, I think, with these cop action movies where they show a pretty yeah. His partner, his, his partner, by the way, played by Thelma's Rasulala. So <laughs> without <laughs> that a, guy with, looked in, in the dark outside. He looked a lot like Tracy Morgan. Yeah, he, um, it's he because he didn't have his mustache. He didn't have his mustache. He always has a mustache. It was so bizarre to see him without a mustache. I was really saddened to see him without a mustache, and I was actually saddened to see that, you know, because him and Busey had really great chemistry early on. I wanted to see them more together, but sadly, they kind of throw Thalmus away and let Busey be the one-man, uh, yeah. one-man butthorn wrecking crew. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so there, there, there's that scene where they're, they're kind of waiting on something to happen, and he's just, he's fidgeting and throwing the cigarette in his mouth, and, and the, you know, right then, I was like, I wonder how much acting is going on and how much was it they just left the camera on a little too long yeah. they're like okay this is good let's just go with this and that and then that ended up being the, like, the rest of the movie like leaving the camera on a little too long and just watching Busey do Busey <laughs> things so yeah. I got a feeling that probably went on I know Busey is known to be a uh, improviser to say the least and uh, there's a lot of Buseyisms in there I was talking to Will about this last night you know the howl is in there the Busey howl you know the mm-hmm. woo that's all in there I mean all that stuff's in there uh, so I, I got a feeling you know Carver was probably by the way Steve Carver a very good genre director directed a lot of good oh, genre yeah. stuff uh, yeah, I got a feeling that you know he was just like fucking go for it man Gary go for it of course Gary was probably wasted anyway <laughs> <laughs> did I say I watched DC Cab in the intro no no you didn't Never. I'd never seen it but yeah Busey was pretty funny in that one too oh he yeah was very, very chubby um, yeah, yeah, that was his chubby the, days. I was excited to see uh, Machete making make his appearance. <laughs> yes, um, a very uh, a very skinny, very skinny Trejo. Um, it, it should be said, love, pretty quickly after that, a very skinny Machete with helmet hair and the customary gray suit of '80s drug lords. Yes, yeah. I, I'll read this note exactly because I don't want to. I don't want to mess it up trying to say it. I said, "There's not much more in my limited cinematic memory bank that makes me smile quite like a coke happy rocket launcher sporting Trejo screaming, What the fuck is this?' And a probably equally coke happy, <laughs> coke happy." Uh, uh, sorry, I wrote Trejo again. Uh, Busey replying, "Your worst nightmare, butthorn," yeah. and then awkwardly rolling and running around to avoid gunfire. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, the thing is about the Trejo thing. I, I thought about this while I was watching. I was like, it's so weird to me that I just saw Machete, and uh, it's a, it's kind of an homage to these kinds of movies. Back when Trejo made this, this was as serious as cancer. This film. I mean, they were they thought they were making a true action movie. In some ways, you know, and, and they didn't take it as a joke, but now it's kind of weird that Tre- Trejo's ca- career's kind of come full circle, that he's, you know, <laughs> like the star of one of these kinds of movies, you know what I mean? It's very weird mm-hmm. to me. It's very weird, but yeah, you're right. It, it was great to see him with a rocket launcher, and I love that whole opening. Rocket launcher, uh, the cigarette in the mouth, the Rasulala, which is hilarious, uh, which just seems like something Gary Busey just did. Doesn't even seem like yeah. it was scripted. It just seems like some kind of asshole thing he would have done to somebody. <laughs> the ice cream yeah, truck I mean, that like sells a, drugs. I mean, this is everything's awesome in the beginning, man. 
the uh, like I said, the, the intro scene, it kind of with action movies in the eighties, it kind of has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It just kind of establishes his yeah, yeah. what kind of character he's going to be and his bulletproofness, <laughs> right? And and yeah, I thought I thought of you, uh, Sammy, when the when he's you know removing said bullet yeah. later on, and he has that um, you know when you said you always, they always have, drop it in a metal <laughs> container. Well, yeah, this time it was a jar, a, a ball jar, drinking glass full of. <laughs> bullets that he's obviously or evidently previously removed from himself and yeah yeah he's removed every bullet and kept every bullet because you know he's bulletproof wasn't it <laughs> we used to have those bullets? we used to have those drinking glasses when i was growing up yeah i still i still have some of those drinking glasses oddly enough <laughs> weren't they mason jars no they were ball jars ball, oh yeah it's, a, it's just another company but they actually had handles on the sides yeah yeah like but we we actually have my my wife and i actually have some real jars now that we drink out of on occasion true southern style um, I actually watched this with with uh, my wife, and she had two. Um, she rolled her eyes a lot. It was really funny, but <laughs> she uh, she had two funny funny observations. She said, "I find it hard to believe that a woman in the service is going to be wearing lipstick like that." <laughs> and um, she said, "Yay, boobies, soapy boobies." So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. There, who who was that? Who was that girl? I can't find where. Who was that one? I've seen her somewhere before. She's been in something else. I am not sure. I um, I'll tell you right now. I'm looking at see if I can find her anywhere. Lead, uh, I was in Lee Leedy Denier. Is that her? I don't know if that's her or not. Yeah, no, that's her. Oh, it seems like I've seen her in something else. But I don't know what well, Melrose Place. Well, maybe that's where I saw her. Not that I watched it that much. No place. Oh, no place to hide. Um, yeah, that was the. Uh, that's right. No place to hide was the uh, Chris Christopherson, Martin Lando, O.J. Simpson film. Ah, yes, yes. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's been she's been in a lot of stuff, Sam. You've probably seen her a couple times. Look at her, look at her um, filmography. The Night Stalker. Yeah, I've seen her in some stuff. I can see it now. Oh, sorry. Ironically, she was in the Starman TV show, and for Loaf, she was in Grunt, the wrestling movie as Angel Face. Oh, nice. Uh, I think that was. I think she played a manager, like a manager of a masked guy. Nice. Or a manager of the masked guy of the movie. Mm. That movie's not very good either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it, and speaking of her, actually, I, I find it hard to believe that uh, that she that she's as calm as she was in the movie. Like she she might be the calmest woman ever when he's shooting a forty five in the house and she's just standing in the hallway calmly asking if everything's okay. Yeah, I love I love I love that moment. It's like so great. Yeah, that was a that was a cool scene. It was very uh, kind of smart assy of him. Yeah, but, um, of, of Busey. Um, yeah, I guess we gotta. I guess. It's going to come up, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start the ball rolling. But um, Mr. Mr. Henry Silva's accent in the movie. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, uh, when, when somebody says his face is amusing, I think, and that was the first time I really noticed his accent, when he says, your face too will be amusing. <laughs> yeah. It was really bad. We, me and Will were actually talking about it on, on uh, the phone last night about how he, you know, he'll start a sentence in accent, and in the middle it'll be all from like where he's from, which is Brooklyn area, and then at the end he'll finish it off with a little flair for the accent again. But I think he's supposed to be Middle Eastern, which is even worse because it comes sounds off as Hispanic. <laughs> yeah, it sounds Hispanic, which seems to be Henry Silva's accent of choice whenever he has to do something. Like Henry, we need a Russian. Okay, how you doing, amigo? You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's almost like yeah, it's like it's like the uh, wings thing. Silva's gonna do it the way Silva wants to do it. Yeah, but it, it is awesome to see him in the movie. I mean, he wears the camo. He's got the uh, 
He's got the beret, the wine-colored beret, which is outstanding. <laughs> Rocks a beret like nobody's business. Fuck, fuck Stallone and the Expendables. This guy was rocking the wine-colored beret way before that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he brings out the pimp hand. He does the, it's like almost like Steve Carver knew Henry Silva has to have a rape scene. Yeah. <laughs> Silva, Silva might have, he might have more rape scenes than any actor in the history of cinema. George Eastman. Oh, George Eastman's got a lot too, you're right. You know, I was thinking there's another actor too, his last name's Rossi. I can't remember the first name, it was like something Rossi. He was in The Accused and a couple other movies. He's got a lot of rape scenes too. I don't know what these actors think. You're like, hey, we're going to put you in a movie. By the way, you got to rape this girl. When the party is like, oh, yeah, this girl's very pretty. But part of you is like, fuck, everybody's going to think I'm a goddamn rapist. Yeah. His was really awkward, though. He kind of like, he kind of looked like a fish, kind of like squirming on top of her. He, it, was very, it was a very armless embrace that he was – he just kind of like put his arms by his side and did like a torpedo onto, onto her. <laughs> um. Yeah, what what are those things called that the that Middle Easterners wear? It's not a turban, but it's like the long like it's the cloth that hangs down over their neck, back of their neck. And mm. I was trying to think of the name. Of it. He was actually wearing he was actually wearing that, and he actually like called out to Allah at one point. Yeah, did he? But uh, yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. You didn't hear him say Allah. What that that part made me. That's that's the only that's the only reason why I thought it might have supposed to have been a Middle Eastern accent. Because oh, he says God. Allah. It, it, totally, it totally was. And she and the the chick said something to him about his his. Excuse for a god, or sorry, excuse for a god, or something like yeah. that. So, yeah, I think yeah. It, the female was hijab, I think, but the male, I don't know if it's, I don't know, yeah, I don't know what that thing's called. <laughs> that Darlene, Flu- um, that Darlene Flugel, who was the female in the film, she's been in a lot of stuff. I've seen her in all kinds of stuff. She was in Lock Up with Stallone. Uh, she was in Tough Guys, I think, with uh, uh, Douglas and Lancaster. Pet Cemetery. She too. did a lot of great stuff early on too. Yeah, she did another uh, Gary Busey film, which I would like to do on the show at some point. Uh, Breaking Point with him and Kim Cattrall, and so it's another one of those Busey action movies. Co- I was looking at the cover of that this morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> it's like fucking. It's like glamour shots with a gun. <laughs> um, you uh, know, back to the back to Busey with his performance. It's like I don't, I don't know. I, I know, I know Busey's a solid actor, but. I don't know if you could call his acting good or bad in this one. It's just it was weird. It was like very breathy and wide-eyed, and I think he's probably liked that a lot. Um, it was you know it was very entertaining, like just you know watching him. His I don't know. He just seemed out of breath at times, and it was it was it was funny. I think I and, think I think this is Busey being Busey on screen. Eventually, he became yeah. he just became Gary Busey. Uh, I've told Will this, and I think I've said it on the show before, and I even told Will this again last night. I really arguably think that. Gary Busey was like one of the great actors of the 70s, but he just totally went off the rails and got involved in a bunch of stuff he shouldn't have got involved in. And uh, eventually became a star somehow and started doing these action movies in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, they never really went anywhere. And uh, But he just, in every movie, it seemed like from like DC Cab on, it seemed like every movie he was in, he was just Gary Busey. And mm-hmm. there's a little, occasional little brilliant moments, but he just became, it's, 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 some, it's somewhere where the point where his ego and his star power became intermixed with who he was and so he just showed up to sets I think and it's like oh yeah I can do that <laughs> and somebody said okay we need you to roll around and shoot a gun oh yeah I can do that it didn't matter if it looked good or it didn't matter if it looked good or not he's just like fuck give me the paycheck you know I gotta I gotta get some more blow <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's he's so good at saxophone he doesn't even have to move his fingers to play oh my god that saxophone <laughs> scene that saxophone scene Will called me after he saw that saxophone scene last night he couldn't take he couldn't take it anymore after that 
My first note actually was GGTMC sax. It starts off with a good a good '80s sax riff. He, he, I'm he, glad you were here for the sax loaf because I think you helped to usher in the sax era with um with uh, Miss Forty Five. Yeah, the trumpet posing <laughs> yeah. as a sax era. If we, if we ever started covering Walter Hill movies from the '80s, it's like every one of his. <laughs> he is like the sax master, man. He yeah, always he mixes the sax in with the neon lights. <laughs> but yeah, this is a that's a great scene because he's he's uh, he's uh, seducing a woman with his saxophone playing, which is just think about that. I want our, I want our listeners to think about that for a minute. Gary Busey on the beach, blowing some sax, seducing women. Just think about that for a minute. But we have to know. I think it should be noted that the gamble paid off because a moment later they're uh, fireside on a bearskin rug. Yes, yes, it paid off for him. It worked. So. <laughs> Good job, Gary. <laughs> I mean, McBain. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think there was another moment where they maybe kept the camera on a little too long and they got what, how he really drives when he's driving a Jeep and it's kind of <laughs> it's it's hopping all over the road and he's driving off into bushes. And <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, wait, let's keep the camera going a little longer. Something good's going to happen here. <laughs> and um, the, uh, and I, I was, uh, my, my note about the, uh, there's a mannequin scene that's really good. Oh yeah, well it's a Henry, Henry Silva movie. He brings his mannequins with him. <laughs> I said he must. I said you know that his character is really pissed, but I think Henry Silva might have been really pissed on set when the when the spindle rolls away because he didn't have a rocket launcher to shoot at that mannequin as it's <laughs> yeah. rolling away. <laughs> Where's my rocket launcher? <laughs> Which you know the silver rocket launcher is just a rifle with a uh, you know remote control missiles on the end of it, Nerf missiles on yeah. the end of it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, the 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 end of the movie gets pretty pretty silly. Like they have the the, the tank with the cardboard panels on it, and <laughs> it, it it was it was cool. I, I don't want to keep going on. I know we're getting cl- close to time, so I, I know Will's going to have a, some good details to go over to here. So yeah, let's hear what Will's got to say. Sammy, you don't want to roll? You want me to go? I'll roll. I got some good stuff here. Um, I'll just go over a few things nope. here. Uh, Luke Askew's in this film too. He's actually a spaghetti western actor. Uh, General Gallo, so it's good to see him. R.G. Armstrong's in the film too, the famous R.G. Armstrong, Sam Peckinpah's company. Uh, LQ, yeah, LQ's in there too for another Sam Peckinpah. You have to wonder how they really got this cast together. I mean, who sold this movie? Like Gary Busey is bulletproof. Who wants to be in this thing? It's like every great character actor showed up. <laughs> you know who we haven't mentioned yet is Lincoln Kilpatrick, or more importantly, William Smith as as a Russian major in a glorious fur hat in in Mexico of all places. <laughs> we jo- I joked about that last night. I was like, he shows up, and the one way we can find out he's Russian before he says anything is to make sure he has the fur hat on <laughs> in the middle of the desert. These guys are dressed like it's fucking two below zero. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. He looks so much different with like his hair all cut off and everything. I'm I'm so used to seeing him in the '70s with his kind he of like. Fancy man mullet and his big mustache. He looks like Conan O'Brien's father or something. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. when I watch Maniac Cop, he's like the police captain or something. Oh, in yeah. There. yeah, yeah, he's in that too. And this has got a great he's example, though, of his voice going to super gravelly. I mean, he's really, this is 88, his voice has really gone to shit at this point, man. He's doing this Russian <laughs> accent, and he's like, I'm like, what the fuck? What's wrong with William Smith, man? But uh, yeah, it was really great when he showed up in the flashback scene too, with the red leather, with the what as Will affectionately called the Henry Silva leather jacket, because that looks like told solely like something he just borrowed off Henry. He's like yeah, Henry, remember, remember that, remember the, that, remember that jacket? Too. Yeah, you remember that jacket you wore? And like, yo, boss, can I get the, can I get that? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, Henry's like, sure, <laughs> for you, anything. 
bullshit yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah. I got it. He had it in his trailer. With the, he opened the door and like three mannequins fall out. And he pulls out his leather jacket. I don't Here know. You go. I don't yeah, know. He just stuffs them back in the fucking. Yeah. I don't know why, but for some reason, I see Henry Silva as that kind of actor. I see him as this kind of guy that shows up on set with like all of his own props. <laughs> like, look, he fucking sneaks them on set and fits them in, man. He's like, look, Steve. I know we're making a movie here, but I, but I need to move this mannequin in here, and I need to get a rocket launcher, and I need to slap a bitch. <laughs> So, you know, this is pretty crazy. But anyway, uh, oh, let's see. <laughs> I, th- I wrote down hell of a leather coat. That must have been the uh, the uh, William Smith thing. <laughs> I'm like, what, why did I write that down? Uh, ashtray to the dick. Nice move. Ooh, <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> Another one. They probably just left the camera on a little longer. Like, just you know, do something. That looks like yeah. something. That that looks like totally like something that uh, probably Busey does, like like he did on his recreation times. Like, and somebody's probably fucking with him. He's like, fuck <laughs> this guy. I want those glass ashtray across the thing. Hit him in the dick with it. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty impressive. Um, uh, was <laughs> I'm trying to find? Oh yeah, I like the uh, scene where uh, the girl tells right before Silva gives this pimp hand, she tells him to go fuck his camel. Which uh, <laughs> I love that some woman told Silva to go fuck his camel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite, uh, the butthorn lines are great. So who are you, butthorn? Uh, bird season is over, butthorn, which you heard in the beginning. Of course, you know, I'm your worst nightmare, butthorn. Those are all great. But one of my other favorite scenes is the little nonchalant thing when Silva's talking to him. And he goes, and Gary Busey goes, goes, now back off, colonel asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like he just called, he just called Silva colonel asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, where the fuck did he come up with that? And that's the thing. I just think, I think like Busey, everything he says in the movie is like totally improvised. We're like, Gary, we're going to put you in the scene. Just say whatever the fuck you want. He's like, all right, no problem. You know, just seems drive like that's the, what. <laughs> drive this Jeep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> drive this tank, right? Like you're driving this tank. So, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, that's why I was not <laughs> he, talking about that one yet. They're going to talk about that one later. <laughs> he drives the tank like he was playing Excite Bike. <laughs> 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 well, the only difference is, is like the the graphics in the tank they're worse than the excite bike graphics from back in the day. <laughs> so fucking bad, man. Uh, yeah. That was Atari Atari tank right there. Yeah, I, yeah. I like how che- I like how cheesy it is. It's so eighties that they keep you know using the title of the movie in the movie, telling him everybody telling him he's bulletproof, you know, and and all mm-hmm. this stuff. I love that. Uh, let me let me ask you this: Silva grabbed so many shirts in this movie to pull people toward him that I had to believe he had developed some serious hangnail issues at some point. This guy, every five minutes, he is grabbing somebody by the shirt. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of things Silva brings to this screen, but this is the first time. And now every time I watch Silva, I'm going to make sure and pay attention if he grabs more people by the shirt, because this seems to be a thing for him is grabbing people by the shirt. It's like, look, you know, talking to him and stuff. Uh, this is the kind of movie to give our listeners kind of an idea. This is the kind of movie where like a Mexican uh, revolutionary yells puto right before being blown up. <laughs> So <laughs> it's that kind of movie, you know. It's like put up, you know? you know. Going back to the where people always say bulletproof, this movie reminded me a lot of those like really weird or not weird, but kind of near funny like cop action TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. the eighties, yeah, and and it, it really felt like that. It felt like an overlong episode of like Sledgehammer or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, oh. The scene between Silva and Smith is actually pretty fucking funny, if you think about it. It's 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 really ridiculous to see these two icons of B movies uh, doing the scene together, and it's pretty funny. It's like you know Silva's wearing a beret, <laughs> he's got gloves on, and fucking Smith's got the goddamn you know he's got a Furby on his fucking head, and it, it, all this crazy. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm watching two of my favorite actors of all time 
in a scene that's so ridiculous that I can't do anything but laugh at it. It's like it was like a spies like us moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. You know, that, I think by, at that point Silva didn't have his his hat on. I oh, he might he not have. Like, he might have lost it. You're he was right. like all smoky, like he had been blown up. You know that whole well, that whole gag. He runs. He runs away screaming, "I'll get you!" and some kind of stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, "Don't tell me he just ran away saying I'll get you!" You know. It's <laughs> <was> like, come on, <laughs> it's so silly. Uh, the thunder blast. You know, I think about these these movies where it's always like a you know fancy piece of hardware. You remember in the eighties there was a lot of movies like this. And I have to think it always has to kind of revolve back to like the stealth bomber in reality. Remember how the stealth bomber was such a big deal uh, mm-hmm. when it came out and stuff? And it seemed like all these movies, everybody had a, a fancy piece of military equipment, the Thunder Blast or this or that. I mean, there was the Blue Thunder, uh, you know, all these movies like this. And it, it was kind of nice to kind of harken back to that a little bit. I'd forgotten about that kind of 80s craze. Of course, the Thunder Blast is pretty pathetic. It does look like somebody took some <laughs> sheet metal and put it on a regular tank and they're like, oh, it's a super tank. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. It's a tank with ground effects. It looks like, It's like the Iraq Z of tanks. <laughs> That's what it is. It's the Iraq Z of tanks. That's all it is. And it's controlled by a joystick while sitting sideways. It's really ridiculous. Uh, yeah, some of the effects are pretty primitive stuff. I think, I told Will when he was going to watch this, I said that I can think of hardly any movie that's more GGTMC than Bulletproof. I mean, it has everything we ever talk about and laugh about and reminisce about and have a good time about. It's all within the 90 minutes of this movie. And uh, because of that reason, I think it's pretty, it's, it's got to be one of my favorites that we've ever done on the show. Uh, we might have expound, I think we might have laughed more at reviewing this one if we hadn't, if Will hadn't blown his wad laughing and undefeatable. But because <laughs> <laughs> if you go back and listen, there's a couple moments where it does sound like he blew something out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it's good stuff. I mean, this is this is what I really love about doing the show is going back and seeing these movies from the '80s and stuff that I used to watch on cable all the time and think they were just so ridiculous then. And it's, it's great that they this one kind of holds up in its ridiculousness. And you know, the cast is great. It's very simple. It's a very simple story. It's basically a Rambo type story because uh, the the Gary Busey is, is you know, he's bulletproof, so I mean, he can do anything. So that kind of gives them free reign for him to use Uzis and cannons and rocket launchers and tanks and. And all kinds of craziness, even though it doesn't look like for one minute that he knows how to use anything. He just, no. you know, he pulls the trigger and the shit goes off, you know. So that's why I use that clip at the beginning, the bird season's over, butthorn, because then he starts squeezing that Uzi. And it's like, there's no way he killed all three of those guys because he was aiming at the floor or something. I don't know what he was doing. So, <laughs> but, it, but it's really great and to see this kind of stuff. And, but I had forgotten all about certain things in the movie. I'd forgotten about the saxophone, <laughs> which, which put a smile on my face that is, you, could, you wouldn't even believe how big that smile was. Uh, this is great. I didn't expect that at all. And I'd forgotten about uh, some of the other little simple things, like uh, Silva's accent. Maybe I just didn't pay attention to it back in the day. And then I knew that Smith, no matter what, he always tries to work the fact that he knows how to do a Russian accent into a movie. <laughs> he, he seems to like to work that in. That's very prominent on his resume on IMDb that he speaks Russian fluently. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so he always tries to work that in somehow. So I don't know. Maybe that's some kind of thing. But that's really all the notes I have. I don't know what I was I, loafing over a lot of things. I want to see what Will's got to say about some of the stuff I might have missed or overlooked. Well, we did talk about the cast, which really is one for the ages. Um, I do want to say one other thing. It is executive produced by Fred Olin Ray, of all fucking people. Which is what I was just about to say. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. So he's got his hands in it. Um, This, it kind of, and it gets away from that because it goes to Mexico, but it kind of has that late 80s U.S. city vibe where a lot of American cities in the late 80s were really fucking grimy like Chicago and New York and stuff. And I like seeing that in films and I kind of wish we had seen more of that, but there's no way to keep the revolutionaries and the Iranians and the Panamanians and the Nicaraguans and, (laughs) and the Russians in it all in Chicago. I mean, 
you know, but uh, and of course it gets the shipping yard to open things up, which we Loaf kind of touched on. Um, and I love that they build the mythology, like you guys talked about, with the bulletproof. They say bulletproof. We see that he's bulletproof, and you know, it's really great. And I have to think that this film, in a lot of ways, I don't see how it couldn't have been meta because it does hit on, like we said last night, Sammy. It hits on everything you can imagine from an action movie and a convention of the action movies, right down to the self-surgery, like Loaf talked about and. You guys mentioned the rocket launcher that Trejo shot, but apparently they, they swiped Jesse the Body's gun from Predator as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that, that gun in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the one guy in this, he's kind of like the, uh, what was his name in it? He was kind of like the third in command, the Mexican guy, Pantero. This guy is like the, the this guy to me, he always annoyed me. He was like my early 90s version of Clifton Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy, That guy with <laughs> mm-hmm. the uh, slick back hair always would show up yeah. in these movies. Yeah, totally. And Juan, Juan Fernandez. Uzis. Juan Fernandez. Lots of Uzis. There's flamethrowers. Um, one thing, you know, I may admire Busey for a lot of things for his truly good acting as well as his over-the-top stuff, but one thing I didn't need to know about him was that he had flesh-colored nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is this. You know, he was still in pretty good shape, and evidently, you know, he wanted to take a shirt off with the camera and stuff. And he's not, you know, he's not like in Don Neum's shape, but he is in pretty good shape. So he wanted to take his shirt off with the camera and stuff. But unfortunately, you know, he's wearing those damn skinny jeans, and they're all the way up to his fucking yeah. nipples anyway. So it's like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, they kind of, you know, what's weird about him is they kind of. Here's the great thing about McBain is that not only is he a super cop, like a, um, what was it, a Murtaugh? Was that um? Um, Riggs, Mel Gibson, Riggs, or Riggs. Fuck, I'm going to get scolded for that one. I'm sure. <laughs> um, not only was he a super cop, but as I told you, Sam, he was also a John Matrix type with an axle axle Foley wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The varsity jackets. Yes, the varsity jackets. I love whenever our heroes break out the varsity jackets. Then I know that I'm in the '80s. <laughs> so I think I think Chuck busted out. Uh, actually, it's really funny. Chuck busted out the varsity jacket when he took on Henry Silva in Code of Silence. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, that that yeah, it's his his outfits were just so like if you were going if you were going to go on a one man mission into a terrorist cell, would you be wearing like jeans and a sweatshirt and carrying a duffel bag? Like, couldn't he even at least got a backpack. <laughs> but I guess it was McBain's gift for improvisation. It didn't matter what he wore. Yeah. He had a stash in there. Yeah, well, he, he, you know he's 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 almost like the comic book character Gambit, where he also just has this innate luck on his side. Yeah, you know, he's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really lucky too. Well, it's 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 just the thing we make fun of with eighties movies. It's the you know it's the unhittable, or actually he is hittable, but he's bulletproof in a lot of other ways. Action hero. I mean, everybody else can fire ninety million. I mean, there are so many people shooting Abusey at one moment in this movie. That it, it's like, what the hell? I mean, he has to be bulletproof because there's like 90 million soldiers shooting at him at some point and stuff. But it's, you know, that's why he wore tennis shoes, I guess, so he oh, could yeah. run around. So he could shimmy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Darlene or Darlan Flugel clearly, clearly hasn't seen Silva's greatest hits package because when she starts sassing him, I'm thinking, you you know, you haven't been on the wrong side of Silva's belt buckle and you're lucky there's not a, some slaughtered livestock around or you'd really be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he would have really been working her over. Um, I did tell you, Sammy, I love being at TIFF, but getting back into this kind of stuff, it's it's nice to have that balance yeah. you know, between the two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean nuns in this. You guys didn't mention the nuns and then the nun slaughter by way of Uzi. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, yeah. somebody plays, I can't remember who that actor is that plays that priest too, but there's... 
yeah, there's some religious stuff in here and some weird weirdness going on there with the nuns. Which Doc Zom might appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm surprised neither one of you guys mentioned was Busey on the fucking wheel of death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of did. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? 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 I'll never understand the action axiom of the wheel of death uh, type thing. I don't know why they ever chain these guys up. Again, it's the action movie thing. I know it's it's tired and it's been said, but. If you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of a guy that's obviously causing you a problem, it seems like you just go ahead and get rid of him. Why tie him up on a wheel and just, you know basically start spinning him around? I don't know how many action movies I've seen where somebody's tied onto a wheel. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know it's. Uh, and I, I always keep men- I keep forgetting to mention on our show, but I I, uh, I never fails to amaze me how LQ Jones looks like a really scummy, snaky version of Tom Atkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I mentioned the Excite Bike thing, which I'll I'll skip over. Um, <laughs> sadly, we didn't get to see um, Pantero the Cholo and uh, LQ have a switchblade fight. They kind of had the priest run interference on uh, for uh, LQ, so we didn't get to see the switchblade battle. LQ kind of dispenses of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, that, that was kind of weak. The way they you know they build up this henchman and then they just kind of get rid of him, kind of silly like. Yeah, by way of priest interference, but uh, <laughs> like you said, I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought it up too, Loaf. I thought it seemed weird um, that Smith, it was just kind of distracting that he didn't have a mustache and shag hair. His face looked mm-hmm. a little bit off. Um, Gary Busey runs like Steven Seagal, which is to say he runs like a T-Rex with short arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really weird. I, I noticed that. I was like, wow, what, what is it with these guys in the running? Why do they have to rotate those arms like that? Yeah, but those are actually pretty much all my notes. Like I guess I wish there was more Thalmus, but uh, you know that's the way it goes. Yeah, I think it's a situation where you got almost too much cast, and uh, you know yeah. what can you do with them? But it's just really weird to me. All these people showed up for a Gary Busey movie that cost. I'm looking at the box office Mojo stuff in here. It cost five million dollars and only grossed eight hundred and seven thousand. Oh wow, what a shame! Yeah, but it's still it's only a five million dollar movie. Uh, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see what you got for MVTs and scores, Loaf. All right, um, my make or break was um, the part where we've kind of mentioned it a couple times, but the when Busey's driving the tank, um, it's you know when I when I mentioned at the at the outset the uh, talking about turning the camera on Busey and just kind of like letting him roll, that really seemed like the the <laughs> moment like when the, when the coffee maker pops out of the wall and he laughs oh, like. Yeah. There's a and he has that weird like <laughs> laugh like it really seems like he didn't even know that that was gonna happen yeah <laughs> like, they were just yeah. like let's let's fuck with him <laughs> yeah. I could totally and see that I could the, totally see that happening on off, off camera the director's like this guy's yeah, and, this guy's fucking getting high every five minutes let's fuck with him a little bit <laughs> so that that was it that was the scene when watching him drive those weird like handlebars yeah and uh, driving this tank and yeah that was a really that was a great scene for me and um, my MVT is just the in- intentional and unintentional humor of it. I don't know if, like you were saying, I, the movie may or may not have been done serious, like seriously, or you know, it's hard to tell if it's tongue in cheek. But it just it stays lighthearted, even though having some, you know, gunshots and cursing and all that stuff. And I know it was just it made it fun. That's the the humor of it. Yeah. Um, my score, it seems low. I, I said a 6.25, but after talking about it, I kind of want to say higher. But the, for the movie, for me, like I was saying with the TV show thing, it, it, it felt overly long. Like, both times that I've watched it, by the end, I'm like, okay, it's time to wrap it up kind of thing. I don't know why, but... Um, well, it's, it's the tank, it's, it, it's the tank it's, scenes. It's a better-than-average movie. Yeah. What? It's the tank scenes, in my opinion. It's the tank scenes that drag it down a little bit. Yeah, and 
so I mean it's 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 not a perfect movie, obviously, but it's a it's 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 a lot of fun. So I mean my score sounds low, but it's it's highly recommended. Yeah, tanks tanks and movies are something I never complain about. I mean, well, I've never complained about on the show, but they're actually like my least favorite weapon in movies because it's like here comes a tank, you know, it takes. Yeah, they're kind of slow and they turn and yeah. They're so yeah, they're so cumbersome, and I, I just I don't want to spoil it, but I really hate that it was kind of like. Um, uh, Samuel Jackson Jedi goes out like a B I T C H. My son's in the room. Uh, it's that kind of death for someone. I just oh, I was so maddened by. It. And then it, oh yeah, the tank scenes really bring it down. Will, what's your uh, what's your uh, make or breaks and stuff? The opening set piece. It really. I mean, like I said, you got flamethrowers, rocket launchers, Danny Trejo with helmet hair. Um, <laughs> you get him screaming butt horn. You got Thalmus with cigarettes in his mouth. Explosions. Ice cream trucks, I mean, just everything kind of lets you know the energy that you're going to get from this film. Yes. MVT. Yeah. And then your wife snoring. In the back. Then my wife fell asleep. I, was, I told Rick <laughs> I was so excited because uh, my wife was going to watch both films, Loaf, but she fell asleep. I was pretty sad because I, uh. I, I wanted to see her do what your wife did, which was roll her eyes and go, oh, my God. I said, <laughs> you got to provide a few lines here for the show. You know, it's always funny to get that and stuff. Like <laughs> tell her, tell her my wife said yay boobies, soapy boobies. <laughs> her wife, uh, uh, Alex's wife, saw the one part. Like uh, Gary Busey's girlfriend's in the bathtub, and she's like yay boobies, soapy boobies. <laughs> it's just, it's just uh, simple. Well, the one, one film we covered, but my wife goes, what did you call them? Like the Pussy Pound Gang or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> some, oh, I forgot about that. There was like some women's, I don't know, some women in, I don't know what it was, but it's always nice to get the outside feminine. Uh, perspective yes, on yes, our, yes. our films. But, uh, MVT has to be the cast. This this film really is like just chock full of GGTMC favorites, man. Mm-hmm. And it's got one of the patron saints. It's got some guys who are just below that. You know, it's uh, it's a, it's really a great cast just to see everyone just kind of having fun. Because clearly everyone was having fun. Yes. Yes, clearly. You know, um, my score for the film is an eight out of ten. This this film is really again, it's a pantheon film. I mean, yeah, you know, the interesting thing is it, it it was high budget enough that there's a lot of quote unquote stars of sorts here. You know, it's it doesn't have that kind of mindless foreign and not mindless, but that that kind of wacky foreign insanity or sensibility that something like um, Undefeatable does. But it's <laughs> just as much fun because of. You know everyone you see in it, and some of the like the tank, and like he's the coffee maker, and and Juicy is almost like this amused simian like creature. He's like, oh, he does this kind of like this his laugh. My favorite thing about that coffee maker, by the way, is that it comes out and it's got coffee in it. I'm sitting there thinking, how long is that? How long has that coffee <laughs> how been long in there? Has it been there? Yeah, and he look. He, I bet you Busey probably drank that coffee. He's been sitting in that tank for two weeks while they were shooting, man. Well, I know he did because it had white powder in it as well. Yeah, gotta yeah, hope. Exactly. I hope we never interview him for the show. I'll never be able to live down some of the comments I've made today. No, but but it should be said. Let's just say this. I had said to you, Sammy. You agree, and I'm sure Alex agrees. Busey is is an very underappreciated actor because some of his serious stuff, if he hadn't gone off the rails, one of the greatest actors of our time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really think he, you know, he was on his way, but unfortunately, you know, he chose a different path, and that happens. I mean, that's a human fault. That's not, you know, that's just something that happens to some people. So it unfortunately happened to Gary Busey, but I always love him for some of the things he's done. I mean, I always love uh, Joshua and Lethal Weapon, and I always love a lot of his other characters he's done. He's always going to be, you know, Gary Busey. It's it actually in a way he's one of those few actors where I see him on TV now, and I just get sad because I, you know, I hate, I hate to see where he's gone with his life and and how. You know how far he's fallen. It actually, it actually makes me sad. 
Oh, it does because it's almost like he's past the point of no return. You can kind of see like if an actor is like 25 and they go off, like a Mickey Rourke is maybe about five or ten years younger than him. So he still kind of had that redemption. You know, Busey's maybe not too old for the redemption, but he's pretty old now. And, um, you know, it's it's almost like at the point, yeah, where you can't see the possibility of, of an Aronofsky or someone kind of giving him that one last shining moment. And it is a shame because he deserves a shot just like um, – Mickey Warwick implored everyone to give Eric Roberts another shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, he deserves another mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I don't know if it's going to be there for Gary, but it's interesting to me that, you know, some of these character actors like Gary Busey, who started out as a character actor, became what he became, then kind of, yeah. became, you know, all that stuff. But then you get Silva, who's had this career that's lasted for 60 years. Yeah. And he's never had an issue outside of Hollywood. He's never had an issue. Have you ever heard any bad gossip about Henry Silva? No, other than from Barbara Boucher, but she doesn't count. <laughs> no, no, but, but seriously, no. Silva, I think, has been married to the same woman for years. He has a couple sons. Yeah. You know, but that's the way some people are, man. Like, you know, you don't really hear anything bad about, like, DiCaprio, as A-list as he is. Some people just keep it, yeah. they keep a private life, and, and they're very intensely private, and that's cool. I mean, I respect that. Some people just go crazy, like your boy Riggs. <laughs> some people just go nuts. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, they can't help it. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, okay, so my uh, thoughts on the film. My make or break also. There's so many scenes, I can't even mention them. The opening, that's one. The sack scene, that's number two. The silver rape scene, that's another one, number three. The scene where Gary Busey shows up in Mexico running around in his fucking high-top Nikes and his fucking varsity jacket <laughs> yelling butthorn. Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's so many great scenes in this movie. This is a GGTMC movie. I mean, this is totally, this is up there for me with the Stone Colds. And the uh, you know the bittersweet lives and uh, the Raiders of Atlantis, Raiders of Atlantis, yes, all that stuff. Uh, this is up there with that stuff. As a matter of fact, it's funny. This reminds me of like an American version of an Indonesian action movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I could see that. I could see that. It's it's really strange to me. Uh, my MVT, I could go with the cast. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and call Busey on this one because I don't know how often I'm gonna call Busey an MVT on the show. So <laughs> I'm gonna give it yeah. to Gary this time. But I totally agree with you. I love Silva in this movie, even though his accent is horrible. I remember I said on my Facebook status, you know, silver in a beret, solid gold, silver doing an accent, solid waste. Uh, <laughs> it is. He, he got the memo, though. You know, he was just having fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's typical Henry Silva stuff, you know, and William Smith, too. I mean, even though I didn't really oh, yeah. care for the fact that he showed up looking like a fucking buffoon, uh, he, you know, he got the memo, too. He's having some fun out there and stuff. And, you know, these are, these are some of my favorite. My favorite actors are always going to be the character actors. I mean, I've always been a fan of... You know the Harry Dean Stantons, the oh yeah, the Henry Silvas, all of these guys. I mean, I've always been a fan of these guys, and uh, seeing all these guys in one movie, R.G. Armstrong, L.Q. Jones, all these great actors. Uh, it's just great seeing them in, in this Gary Busey action movie of all fucking things. So I'll tell you, I would have sorry to cut you off. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall and watched them all going out for drinks and sharing stories. Oh my god, <laughs> some there were some Mexican women that probably got. Uh, the uh, well, maybe not the short end of the stick. Let's not say that. <laughs> Some bad things probably went down. But anyway, my score for the film is a seven point five out of ten. Uh, I like it a lot. It's terribly flawed. I do not believe it's a four point three, like it says on IMDb. It's definitely not that. No. Uh, it's an above average action movie in a good time. And if you can get behind the the kind of mood and tone and tone of the movie, like Little William says, if you can get yes. behind those things, uh, you'll have a great time with this. You you really will. You'll have a great time with it. I would say oh, yeah. it's it's the point break of its day. Before another Gary Busey film. So. <laughs> All right, uh, that is our review of Bulletproof. We're going to take a break. Come back with a massive feedback section, which Loaf isn't on for half of, and then he pops up. So time machine. We've already recorded yes. it. All right, we'll be back right now. 
Are you looking for a way to connect with people who like the things that you like? Whether it's music, movies, TV, or whatever you're into, head on over to the palaver.com forums. <clears throat> yes, but forums and message boards are elitist and archaic. Well, yeah, maybe if you're an asshole. Palaver.com is home to all your favorite podcasts. So why not head over there now? Start talking about all the things you want to talk about. That's palaver.com. P-A-L-A-V-R.com. Back with some feedback. That's one of the two funky sixteen corners tracks we're going to have this week because uh, you know we had two weeks off, so we got two of them this week. So there we go. I think it made up for a week we missed. I think that's Charles Hodges, I believe, and I think I can't remember the name of the track. I think it's something Daddy. <laughs> yeah, sadly, I don't believe I can remember either at this point. Yeah, it's in the uh, funky sixteen folder. They call me Daddy. Yeah, they call me Daddy. Maybe <laughs> something like that. But yeah, that's that's a good track though. Like a little horn section going on there. Oh yeah. Um, okay, uh, so we got a lot of feedback. We got one email, which I think I you might have accidentally deleted, but I put it back in there because we didn't read that last. No, I didn't accidentally delete it. I actually good on you for noticing, but <laughs> I actually read it at the end of the Thirteen Assassins. I saw the devil to try to lighten the load a bit. Ah, nice, nice, nice move. I haven't listened to that episode yet. That tells you I don't listen to the own show. Real quick, nice, yeah. sweet. So it's all feed. It's all voicemail then. Yes, hundred percent voicemail feedback. I don't think we've ever had that. No. All right. Well, that's probably a good thing because there's like twenty something of them here. So let's get <laughs> let's get going here. Hang on, let me get one going, and we'll rock and roll. Hey, gents, it's Rupert. Um, just loving the show this week. I'm only at the beginning, and it's already really good stuff. Um, Will, I'm really happy you liked All That Heaven Allows. That's my favorite Cirque film, um, and uh, so I don't know. I'm really happy that you dug it. Uh, you inspired me to watch one I've been meaning to see for a while called um, There's Always Tomorrow with Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. And I was absolutely transfixed by this movie. Uh, I mean, it's I, maybe it's just the, the history those two actors have together with Double Indemnity and Remember the Night and some other films. Um, but it's just another one of those you know melodramas that just totally, like, I watched it really late at night, and it totally got me, um, got my attention, and I, I, I couldn't, I, I've still been thinking about it. It's really well done. All right, you got cut off there. So uh, another Cirque recommendation. Actually, that's one I haven't seen, so it's good on route for mentioning that one. So Yeah, I will see it this month. Um, yeah, Cirque's been a revelation, but the whirlwind that is TIFF is kind of... <laughs> put the brakes on Cirque. I'll be getting back into Cirque this week, though, and trying to squeeze in at least uh, three or four more. But yeah, all that heaven allows has really become a favorite of mine. What is the, what is this TIFF business? Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Next voice, man. Here we go. Hey, gentlemen. Mike. Uh, calling in. Say I'm still alive. Uh, just let people know the podcast Throw to Sundown. We'll be back. Um, had some technical issues and some personal issues and you know, the real life gets in the way of the fun stuff sometimes, but 
we are getting it all straightened out and getting it fixed, and it will be back soon. Um, I was listening to the uh, the coverage of the, the last exorcism, and I'm glad to hear that you guys liked it. That uh, you know, Will was talking about it and saying he enjoyed it with Uncle Cat. My my question is 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 this thing going to end? Is this found footage stuff going to stop soon? Uh, I was really looking forward to the last exorcism, and then I watched uh, Paranormal Activity, and I just I couldn't bring myself to even go see the last exorcism because I was just so. I, I mean, they talk about these movies costing you know sixty thousand dollars, eighty thousand dollars, whatever. How much did they spend on like catering or whatever? Because they're not putting it in the movie, that's for sure. Um, that movie had nothing going for it. Uh, Paranormal Activity, and I, I am interested in seeing Last Exorcism still. You know, I'm, I'm being a little bit uh, sarcastic there, but um, I just don't know if that trend should even continue. Um, filmmaking wise anyway uh, I'm rambling now but that, that just that movie really upset me um, what else I need to tell you folks oh yeah Starkoverfest still coming up my, my annual uh, horror movie orgy that I do here in, in Florida every year a lot of good stuff happening there uh, Nightmare Theater continues um, and yeah uh, Rick I, I just wanted to let you know you're right you should have me on the show soon to do something so uh, <laughs> nice. maybe talk about some hammer horror huh alright I'll uh, talk to you guys later. Take it easy. Bye. <laughs> nice. Heard from Mike. I like that he, he said I was right. We should have him on the show soon. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> I have Asylum coming, which I think is an amicus film, uh, for those of you interested. So I'm kind of starting that British horror thing uh, this month. Yeah, nice. Nice. Um, yeah, we should definitely have on. I just want to say one thing I really got to add to that is, uh, Mike, I want to say thank you for the uh, Jake the Snake Roberts doc he sent me. <laughs> So he sent me a. You all right over there? Yeah, sorry. Just my <laughs> fucking back, dude. All right. Large William, for those in the know, and then and for those of you who have back problems like me, and uh, obviously Large William throws his back out, so he must have back problems somewhere in your history because if you throw it out, you've got a back problem. Uh, yeah. Once you uh, do that, um, you know, it can be tricky. Well, the thing is, Large William threw his back out, a little behind the scenes information. So you might hear these occasional. Uh, a gust of wind being sucked in because uh, if it's hurting like I think it's hurting, I can totally understand where that came from, that noise. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty brutal, man. I'm sitting here in my pajama pants with a fucking ice pack on. I didn't get any sleep, and uh, this was one of those mornings, believe me, I would have loved to have called in sick, but, you know, I love Sammy and the loaf and everyone too much and certainly films too much to, to do that. So here I am with an ice pack on. Sucking in wind at uh, seven twenty-three in the morning. Nice, but well, yeah, it's good to hear from Mike. And uh, I do want to thank, yeah. thank you for the Jake the Snake Roberts. It's even more sad than I thought it would be. Got to get that my way, brother. Yeah, I get that your way soon. All right, uh, next voicemail. Here we go. Hello, Big William and Samurai. It's uh, Tom from Better in the Dark, coming straight, straight out of Brooklyn. Um, it's early in the morning. I'm not quite finished yet with listening to the most recent uh, cast. I'm just. Uh, going through the voicemail, but I wanted to address something from earlier on, namely your comparison of Raquel Welch, of Jessica Alba to Raquel Welch. After I finished cleaning up the vomit, um, I figured I should <laughs> tell you something. Um, nah, sorry, no. If there's one person though, um, and I can't stand this person, and uh, it is one of my dreams in life to find the guy in high school who told Eva Mendez 
that she looked like Raquel Welch so I can kick his ass thoroughly for all the pain that he caused me. Because if you look at Eva Mendez, I think that she really, truly, sincerely patterns herself after uh, La Welch. I mean, you look at the... Particularly, it's like particularly obvious in the spirit where she is practically doing the world's worst uh, Raquel Welch's um, imitation. I think that that is the woman who's probably the closest we have. Only she's doing a really poor kind of like almost a um, a, tr- a uh, tranny impersonator uh, <laughs> version of Raquel Welch. Jesus, over at uh, PJ Chang's over there. Um, it, it's <laughs> There, there really is. I don't think there really is anybody who has that sort of quality anymore in Hollywood because everybody is so in that cookie cutter mode. And I'm sorry, I'm Jessica Albert, who's a little wisp of a thing and has none of that va 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 voomness that that Welch had. Um, even it, you know, just and just now getting in touch with her inner, you know, you know, her inner slut, if you will in stuff like Machete, but even then, she's like, it's like a little girl playing dress-up. It, it's just not there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be... I'm surprised that you guys didn't make the, the Eva Mendez connection, because I know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's you, Willie, really has a thing for her, which, in fact, actually said you take uh, Mendez over... Uh, Salma Hayek, and I'm sorry, that is so wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. Now, even with the crazy, the crazy Salma Hayek bitch <laughs> stuff, I would still take Salma Hayek over that because, hey, crazy bitches are interesting. Anyway, guys, <laughs> I will talk to you later, and uh, looking forward to Halloween. Peace. Nice. All right. So he mentioned uh, a couple things there that were interesting. Uh, missing a couple uh, fucking some real shit talking going on from the New Yorker there. Uh, number one, I said Alba was kind of like her. I didn't say she was the definitive Raquel Welch of our time. Yeah. I said in, only in that she was pretty and did genre films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the pretty actresses don't want to get their hands dirty that are consistently successful because she is successful whether she's a good actress or not. You know, but she doesn't isn't afraid to get her hands dirty and have fun with genre films. Number two, Eva Mendez is a fox. Yep. And um, as for the whole Raquel Welch thing, maybe she's going that route. I don't really care. I think she's fantastic. And like I said, I've seen her in interviews. She likes you know horror movies, barbecue, muscle cars. She grew up in Texas, football. I mean, you know that sounds like my kind of girl. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the third thing I wanted to say, as rugged as Gangrene looked in week two against the Patriots. And really, you guys took him out to the woodshed. I can't wait for week five. You get to see how see how it's done Wisconsin-style, baby. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if I really have anything to add to that uh, voicemail. I'm trying to think if I do. Uh, I, I do fall on the Salma Hayek side of things, although I do understand the Eva Mendez fascination, and I do, I do see the comparison with Eva Mendez a little bit to Raquel Welch, although I do think Eva Mendez is a better actress than Raquel Welch. Ever was, uh, she? Yeah, she's okay. But I, I do want to say I love Salma Hayek too as an actress, yeah, and I think yeah. she's stunning, and she's got a stunning body. But she's supposed to be a real fucking cunt. And, <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. You know, and he says he crazy bitches. Yeah, listen, you say that now, motherfucker. Do you have a crazy bitch? And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's see how cool you are with the crazy bitches. Yeah, everybody else is walking away from you. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you're in your house is on fire. <laughs> yeah. you know? All your shoelaces are cut. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah let's I... see how down you are then, Tom. <laughs> Am I in high tension? Wonder what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next uh, next voicemail. Hey guys, Rupert again. Um not sure if I got cut off in the last one, but uh I just wanted to comment on uh Machete. I, I still haven't seen it yet. Tried had a babysitter cancel on us this weekend, and we almost could go, but we couldn't make it. But uh, very excited to see it. And uh, I just wanted to comment on, you guys were talking about Jeff Fahey, and I just I couldn't be happier that he seems to have become part of Rodriguez's stock company. I think, you know, one of those great, you know, revival stories of, you know, just a really, really great actor that, you know, just dropped off <clears throat> the radar for whatever reason. But um, I'm so happy to see him in these films, and I hope he gets continued use. He is, he is definitely a great actor. Um, I was going to say, Sammy, you were talking about the Spike uh, Lee documentaries, which I really, really want to see now. Um, but I, I wanted to add that uh, I saw what I thought was a great documentary called The Dungeon Masters this weekend. And um, it's, it's one of those that's kind of like, say, uh, a Trekkies or... You know, just I mean, there's there's another one called Monster Camp that's all about um, uh, live action role playing, which is you know, you watch it to be I I get I would think a lot of people would watch it to be amused by how sort of dorky these people are, and I gotta admit that's partially a draw for me too. Um, but in the case of Dungeon Masters, it starts out like that, and not to give too much away, but it sort of takes a more emotional turn and. You know, it's but by the end, I was just so moved by this film. Um, there's some real heartbreak in it, and some real—I don't know—it's just a great, great little documentary, like one of the best I've seen in a long time. I highly recommend people check it out. I wish it was on Netflix Instant. Unfortunately, you'd have to rent it from Netflix, um, but hopefully, they'll move it over to Netflix Instant, like Monster Camp is on right now. Um, <clears throat> but. Uh, well, well worth your time if you're a documentary fan, you know, highly recommended. Um, anyway, great stuff, guys. All right. Roop, that was the uh, callback from the previous voicemail that got cut off. So there we go. Um, yeah, I've checked that out. I've checked out the, uh, I know me, I'm always down for the documentaries. Uh, I haven't checked out any of those live role-playing. There seems to be a lot of those live role-playing documentaries out there. So I haven't checked out any of those yet. I'll have to get around to that. Yeah, I know Miles and the gang covered uh, some of those LARPing ones way, way back. And, I, yeah, I'm always down for a good doc, too. I just don't seem – they seem to elude me more than they do you. Yeah, I think that uh, the interesting thing about live-action role-playing is I have no interest in doing it myself. So that no. kind of, it kind of fascinates me. <laughs> but, you know, then again, I guess some people could argue that I am live-action role-playing because I'm acting like I'm a radio host on a podcast. So. <laughs> All right, uh, next voicemail. Here we go. Hey guys, it's uh, Sean from Chicago calling. I uh, just wanted to, I'm sure you're going to get like 7 million calls, but I uh, just want to say congratulations for the Brian Trenchard Smith message uh, call. Uh, you know, listening as most of us have, you know, since the beginning, we know how much you guys love the guys' work and you guys love what you do. So I actually got a little choked up by certainly happiness weeping. So not like Falan, because that would be pussy, but. <laughs> anyway, I'm just so happy for you guys. It couldn't have happened to two nicer gentlemen. Uh, you guys are the greatest, and congratulations. And it really shows that you guys really love what you do. And if you do love what you do, then people will notice. Congratulations, guys. 
All right. Well, congratulations for the Brian Trenchard Smith call, which again we're still floating sky high for. And uh, you know we got some announcements coming up with that uh, pretty soon. Uh, I'm not going to announce them yet, but we got some stuff going on behind the scenes and stuff like that. That uh, massive. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff for us, and we're very very excited to do it. So looking forward to that. Um, okay, moving along here, I'm trying to kind of get them going here. <laughs> and and thank you, Sean. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, here we go. Oh my God, what a fantastic call from Brian Trenchard-Smith. I'm so happy for you guys. Wow, truly a wonderful, proud moment. Oh, I'm very happy for you guys. What a nice little present for you. Loved it, and you guys deserve it. I can't wait to listen to your interview. This is Phil. Take care. Bye. Well, thank you, Phil. Again, another thank you. I'm glad some of the guys that have been around for a while that have listened to us for a long time, I'm glad they really, you know, Kind of coming out of the woodwork a little bit more. Uh, not that Phil's been gone anywhere. He calls back every now and then and everything, and he's real tight with us anyway. But, uh, you know, it's good to know that everybody out there is still listening. I always wonder if people ever drop us. I wonder if there's anybody that ever dropped us. I'm sure there are people that have. I mean, we, we do put out a long show. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which goes along with our... Never mind, I was going to say something stupid, but <laughs> we're not night podcasting. i got to remember it's our, morning. Our socks. We wear them up to our knees. <laughs> Long tube socks. You get it. Yes. Well, you were close enough. There are a few more letters in the word socks. And Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next voice. Hey, guys. Jordan here from the 35mm Heroes podcast. Um, firstly, thanks for mentioning and playing the promo last week. It was great to, well, for you to speak with you in such kind words and for, I mean, for you to as podcasters and a podcast that I admire for me, for you to even talking about us is a big sort of well for me to get my geek on really um, but well, what I really want to talk about is that you mentioned that um, Emir was playing at Fright Fest and you were looking forward to it what it is is Emir was my first real well I think the first time I've seen a Giallo film actually and I absolutely dug the shit out of it and my question is, being not educated or school, I'm just wondering sort of if you, if you could maybe give me your sort of maybe top five Giallo films to check out or the, the, the essential sort of few that if you really want to get into this genre like these are the films that you've got to see um, I can't wait to really get into it more like the whole genre um, looking forward to getting into Argento and Brava and everything like that so if you just could give me a little guideline to well GLO, that'd be fantastic. Um, that's all I've really got to say. I love the podcast and keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. All right, that was George over at Thirty Five Millimeter Heroes. Uh, work a little behind the scenes action. I might be on Thirty Five Millimeter Heroes in the future. Uh, and I will, I think, as well. Nice. Uh, hopefully, together. I don't know if it will. Getting all those stars to align would probably be <laughs> yeah. impossible. But yeah, it's a, scheduling is a bitch, and then when you start scheduling in Europe, Europe and in America, oh, and it? Yeah. It, it gets real crazy real quick. Uh, yeah, it does. Okay, so I don't know if we should go through the top five for each person because that's a little too rough for me. But let's just start throwing out some that are essential. I'm, I'm sure I can name one right off the top of my head. We just talked about recently, and that was Martino's torso. Absolutely, and that is top, probably absolutely top five for me. Maybe top three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the what have they done to Solange is my favorite of the of the genre. Okay. Um, do you want me to just keep going, or we'll just kind of blurt them out? Or yeah, just keep going. I'm kind of, 
I'm actually looking at something to remember which ones we covered. Uh, yeah, no, we, we did cover a lot. Black Belly of the Tarantula is another one we covered that I think doesn't get enough press. That's a good one. That is really cool and has some great set pieces. Argento's Deep Red. That's my favorite Argento film, for those of you who haven't known that by now. <laughs> yeah, Argento's got some really good ones. Spur with the Crystal Plumage is really good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Tenebrae is another one we covered that I like. It's an 80s one, Late in the Cycle. Opera is another one that, despite the blaring Saxon metal score... Uh, that goes against everything the film's about. Has some really great set pieces, iconic set pieces. Um, you'll love that, or you'll hate that. That's why they. That's yeah. why opera kind of hits people. I'm in the love camp, but hey. Yeah, um, understood. Understood. Uh, a lizard in a woman's skin is good. Don't torture a duckling. The New York Ripper. All of those are by Lucio Fulci. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one of his really good ones. There, of course, there's Bava, who a lot of people love. I personally am not the biggest fan of. I respect him, but oh. Um, um, all the colors of the dark. Your uh, yes. is a locked room, and only I have the key. Yeah, I really, the best probably the best advice we can give Jordan is kind of hit the directors, and you'll hit a lot of them, like Martino, Just, uh, Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. Uh, did I say Jordan? What did I say, George? I think I might have said. I don't know what I said anyway. <laughs> but hit the directors: Martino, Argento, um, Fulci. Fulci got a few. Lindsay. Uh, yeah, Lindsay's got a few. Hit those, and uh, you'll start digging around. Now, the ones we mentioned are probably the best of the best. Uh, because there is a lot of, there, there is like any genre, there's some garbage. Well, yeah, that's the thing. There'll be certain flourishes or certain things you'll find. You'll like some directors for their set pieces. You'll find, you'll like, you and I talked about the semi Argento for his brutality, but, um, Martino for his ability to manufacture suspense and dread and tension. Yeah. Yeah. They both have strengths. Also, George, Jordan or Jord, as I like to call him sometimes, uh, he, uh, you might want to check out if you haven't seen it. Make sure you checked out Brian De Palma's uh, "Dress to Kill" because that is a, a serious giallo that nobody ever talks about. It's so inspired by Argento and people; it's ridiculous. The best American giallo, for despite other people saying the eyes of Laura Mars is yes, good stuff. I think that's a good enough list that'll get him started. Yeah, I can see him writing. I can see him writing stuff down furiously. <laughs> we might have talked fast there, and I apologize for that. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's a good thing about it. it's recorded, so he can go back and just kind of grab them. All right, yes. uh, next voicemail. And thanks for the uh, voicemail, George. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep, there we go. The Vienna Prince Metal Mikey, <laughs> the metal one, is leaving his thoughts on <laughs> another episode of Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, the Without Gloria episode. By the way, William, by the way, Rick, excellent job. But anyways, you may be many things, Rick, but a crank you will never be. <laughs> Thanks. An old crank you shall never be. But I've yet to actually see Scott Pilgrim, and by the way, I'm probably not going to get a chance to because there's only one theater that's playing it in town, and it's at 925, and I'm like, yeah, work week really takes away that advantage for me. But I don't know. I may give it a shot still. And I do own a copy of Without Warning, but I've yet to watch it. But However, I am familiar with the femperoni weapons of the film. That's right. I managed to cross over the, oh, geez, what is it? The Whisker Biscuit with Killer Pepperoni reference for that. So (laughs) hats off to you both. (laughs) And Firebase Gloria, I should actually check that out because as the show went down in infamy, I am a sucker for Vietnam exploitation films. And by the way, Will and Rick, I can't go further enough on how much I want to apologize for 
making you both go through Last Hunter just for my own dumbass sake. <laughs> but one post-Platoon movie I should also check out, aside from Fire Pace Gloria, is I've been having a hard-as-hell time finding the Michael Dudikoff vehicle platoon leader, but that is another one I would love to track down. But anyways, I realize I kind of rambled on a bit long in a lot of messages, so you'll both take it easy. I look forward to hearing more from you, and I will talk to you again soon. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Yeah, I, I think comparably, um, Last Hunter obviously isn't uh, as good <laughs> as Firebase Gloria. <laughs> but you know, I still, I still, I mean, it, it wasn't the greatest movie we ever viewed, but it wasn't awful. I mean, it wasn't like it was a Turkish Star Wars or no uh, from Justin Kelly, that classic. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't those. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, Mikey, get a hold of. Um uh, the good people over at CDB about that. Uh, they got some Dudikoff in there that uh, they haven't advertised on their site, but that they do have. But they they got a bunch of Dudikoff, including that one, um, uh, what is it, The Deadliest Game or the, what is it, Deadly? I can't even remember. But, the, you know, yeah. the, it's amazing how many films he actually has. If you start digging into his stuff, he's got a lot of straight-to-video stuff. A lot of good stuff in the street video. There's that one where it's like a deadliest game knockoff where he's got a crossbow on the cover, which, you know. He's still, beyond, beyond all other straight to video action stars, he still, it still perplexes me how he became what he became because I can remember him in movies like Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks and stuff. And then next thing I know, he's an action star. It just, you know, you never know. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I like the dude cough. Hopefully, he'll be in the next Expendables. But, you know. <laughs> Which I, I could, you know, take. A, I always think of Miles' uh, impersonation of Dudikoff. Yes, that was a great <laughs> episode when they did the American Ninja series. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, next voicemail. Uh, and yes, I I can be a crank, but uh, I don't think I'm I'm there yet. So we'll see. I just think Scott Pilgrim not aimed at Sammy. That's it. All right, <laughs> here we go, gentlemen. <laughs> doctors um and I was when I came home today <laughs> I was speaking a lot like James Mason <laughs> but then later on I was fucking talking like Nick Nolte <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> but I forgot to call and um leave feedback um <laughs> <clears throat> But the feedback that I was leaving, well, this is short notice, but I watched a movie called The Good Heart, Paul Dano and Brian Cox. I saw the previews for it a while back, not that long ago, maybe only a few weeks ago, <clears throat> On uh, when I was uh, watching the DVD in my DVD player that I got at Walmart. <laughs> and his DVD underwear. And I uh, thought it looked interesting. <laughs> uh, kind of had the bar atmosphere. It takes place in the bar. It deals with the bar. And the guy who owns a bar, Brian Cox. And um, uh, it's funny to see that it was on Netflix Instant Watch because they just dumped a whole big old bucket of new movies on there. So I got to watch it, and I liked it, even though that dude, Paul Dano, is just about as weird, strange, and ugly as uh, as they come. 
but I liked the movie. I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I like Brian Cox. Uh, you know, it's a good thing you said Brian. Every there. movie that I see Cox in, there you go, is a movie that I like. <laughs> that's a sound and, clip. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Leather Tuscadero, um, <laughs> the Malachi Brothers, nice, and also Pinky Tuscadero. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to sign off for now because I don't have nothing else to say. Oh, watch uh, some kind of wonderful, too. I'm I'm jogging my memory as I'm speaking. And I like it. I still like it. I think it's one of the better teen angst movies. Uh, and um, I believe that Eric Stoltz made the right decision. Because I like Mary Stewart Masterson, and I always have. And uh, Amanda Jones was just no good for him. She was just, you know, she needed to find herself is what I'm trying to say. You know how that is. I think Sammy definitely knows how it is when you need to find yourself. You get lost living inside yourself. In my life. I felt so self-assured, but suddenly it's all changed. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. I got to find myself. <laughs> Either way. Uh, no, good stuff. Uh, you know, I, I told Will off the air, uh, for our Canadian listeners, American listeners that have Netflix, uh, Netflix Instant Watch, them. Uh, I was telling Will, I was like, yeah, it's fantastic when they, and I did say fantastic, when they uh, drop a bunch of movies onto your, you know, instant watch thing, you're like, oh, yeah, awesome, but you got to watch it because they'll also take a bunch of shit off that was on your queue to watch. Uh, so it's kind of like a race. It, it becomes, for all you Netflix instant watchers out there, you know what I'm talking about. It becomes this race to try to get everything done before it disappears. It's even got to the point where people like Miles and stuff will actually uh, check and see when stuff's getting ready to go off, and that's what all they'll watch. Um and they'll actually Twitter and tweet the uh, stuff that's getting ready to go away. Like, Miles, see Miles, and I was like, this will be gone in 24 hours. Watch it now. So, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to it. So, it was great. They dumped all this new stuff on there, but man, they, they, they took a beating on my queue. It took a bunch of stuff off there I wanted to watch. I never got around to, but hey, life is short. There's, there's worse things to complain about. That's yeah, it. no, I'm, I, I haven't been able to, Comment on that sensation yet, but uh, soon enough, hopefully. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. I'm sure it's coming. All right. Next voicemail. Will and Rick, Metal Mikey, yet again. God, it's like I just have no time to do anything else. But anyways, <laughs> I finally caught up with your 100 Prisoners episode and just got a few comments to say. I believe it was Rick or William, I think it was William that mentioned the film Angst, and just from the description, since I'm kind of in a nihilistic-ish kind of frame of mind, I may want to check it out sometime. I mean, hey, I'm I'm all for new horror that could possibly excite me. Uh, as for the call, the call of the episode, my hat's off to Brian Trenchard-Smith for not only being a talented filmmaker, but also being a cat lover. <laughs> so, you know what? That's just another reason why you got to like the guy. But, hold on here. Ah, there you go. That was me handling my massive 
backpack, not any bag per se. <laughs> yeah. But with your criticisms about Jerry Goldsmith, now correct me if I'm wrong, and I probably am wrong about this. Did he not do the score for at least the first two Rambo films? Because if so, I've got to say, at least those scores I really do appreciate. And probably out of the two movies that you covered, the one that I'm probably the most enthused about checking out some time is the Female Prisoner something number blah blah blah. Why? Two reasons. One, make okay, make okay G, because by God, she's a gorgeous woman. And B, you know what, being the lonely kind of guy I am, a movie filled with boobies, even in an artistic story-driven way, you know what, I can't fault that at all. <laughs> and honestly, as the episode as a whole, I do really appreciate the nighttime, almost teenage-ish, giggly gentleman's guide approach to the episode. Oh, well done. Oh, so Lord. anyways, Will, anyways, Rick. And whomever else will be showing up in the multi-starring episode next. Y'all take it easy, and I will talk to you again sometime soon. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Yeah, I've been joking around with a lot of people on the uh, on the uh, Twitter about the giggly <laughs> uh, teenage uh, boy uh, podcast that we had last week. <laughs> yeah, it, it does tend to devolve a little bit, but that's okay. I mean... Yeah, it happens. You know. It happens. You know, no matter how yes. much, how how old you get, uh, you know, as yeah, this is one thing I'll agree with Kevin Smith on. No matter how old you get, uh, sooner or later, you know, you'll always come back to dick and fart jokes. It, it just never, yeah, it never, it never, will. it never completely goes away. No matter how much you think it does, it never goes away. Hey, Sammy, do you know who our next voicemail is from? Uh, yeah, Cody, I believe. Huh? Okay, no. Uh, after that, um, I'm gonna let you just quickly start talking. I'll run as quick as I can with my back. I heard. Some serious, uh, either some there's a bowling lane next door, or it's starting to really storm around here. So I just want to <laughs> prepare. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Next voicemail. Uh, gentlemen, this is Cody. Um, sorry if I'm short of breath. I've been walking across camps with a large backpack. Um, I just wanted to call in with a bunch of stuff. Actually, it's been a long time, so sorry if this runs a little bit late. But I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I had a problem with my Zoom before the summer started, and I had no real way of, no, no, I don't know, no, no workable way of, of listening to podcasts, or I could listen to podcasts and do other things as well. So I got to be months and months behind. Like I had days of shows just kind of stacked up. I was kind of afraid I wasn't going to be able to catch up, but uh, through the transfer process, uh, traveling from one state and one school to the next. I got a chance to listen to hours at GGTMC on top of one another. Nice. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Is I'm sure most listeners would attest. It was it was, uh, it was a great way to, I don't know, fill the time of transition. Um, I have so much to say. Uh, Sammy, uh, happy, uh, congratulations on your son. Um, that's wonderful. Um and to and Rupert, I think it was. I have to pause it because I may be feeding my son online on on the air here in just a minute. I think I hear nice. some, I hear some different type of bowling alley rumbling going on. <laughs> oh, I'm just so long since I listened to the shows. I don't want to give credit to the wrong person. Um, you guys fitted fantastic. Um, yeah, it was it was great listening. Um, two things from a while ago. 
that I know are outdated, but I want to hit on. Um, he talked about going to the video store and uh, hiding your less than reputable rentals. What? Under good stuff. <laughs> or I guess not good stuff, but more understandable. Uh, yes, because the good stuff was the stuff, stuff that was hidden. Um, <laughs> I, you, back in, I was living near Hollywood Videos. I used to be in there as much as a couple of times a day. And uh, I wasn't so much hiding from my parents as I was the people at the store. So whenever I got something that didn't look entirely respectable, um, I would put it between either Citizen Kane and Godfather Part 3 or Schindler's List. I, I got three or three rentals at a time. I could use those two as my buffers, I guess. I don't know. I'll, th- I'll, say, I'll take Deep Throat over Godfather Part 3. So that's just me, though. <laughs> and the other thing was, um, have you ever uh, fallen asleep um, watching a movie? kind of had it become part of your dream or whatever. Haven't had, hasn't happened to me until this summer uh, when I fell asleep in Visitor Q and Repulsion. Uh, both wow. horrible experiences. Um, but yeah, sorry for rambling. Um, thank you guys for putting on the great show. And looking forward to listening to more. Oh, before I forget, sorry. The Devils is the best thing you've covered. You're absolutely right. It's fantastic. It was just it was incredible. Thank, thank you, you so much for covering that. I wouldn't probably wouldn't have seen it for a long time otherwise. It was... Phenomenal. Okay, that's all. Bye, guys. Yes, that Devils episode is actually probably, believe it or not, it's probably the most popular episode we've ever put out. It has been downloaded like you would not believe. I mean, it is amazing. It. I, I might say it is. It's definitely one of the best films we've ever covered. I said to Sammy about a week ago how happy I am we covered the Devils because it's one of those ones you know I knew about, but I just never got around to. And I, it's become honestly like a top 25 favorite. It is a staggering piece of work. Yeah. yeah. And and thanks for hearing from, I mean, I always love when we hear from Cody because, you know, he sees, I just, I really love, <clears throat> wow, I'm getting verklempt here. Uh, <laughs> I really love hearing from, <laughs> you know, we hadn't heard from him in a while, so. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's been busy and stuff. He's a student and uh, a strapping young lad out there getting his education and doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, But it is always good to hear from Cody. Yes, always good to hear from him. Uh, I, I'm in contact with him on Twitter quite a bit and Facebook, but uh, so, you know, I mean, I understand. You can't call into shows all the time. I mean, who am I to talk? I, I'm a podcaster now. Evidently, I have a hard time calling into shows. Yeah, I promised uh, the V Cinema lads and OTC I'd call them with a TIFF report. I haven't done that yet. I'm uh, <laughs> a bit what, of a douche. <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> all right, next voicemail. Hi, it's Demise. I was just calling in. I'm, I'm finally catching up, and I'm on the last show. And you mentioned the documentary that you watched about the Zodiac Killer. And uh, I don't remember if you said it was on the DVD of the actual movie because I remember watching one. Um, I just don't remember if I watched it on there. But you made me think of a documentary about the Zodiac Killer I watched recently. And I get a real kick out of these because I just like to re- learn about the psychology. But it really unsettled me. And I actually didn't finish it completely. I'll probably go back and finish it at some point. It was on InstaWatch. And it's the documentary about Albert Fish, who was a cannibalistic-type serial killer of little children, like in the 20s or 30s, I forget which it was, and it was pretty interesting the way he could just walk in and take a kid with the parents' permission. Uh, Anyways, the stuff he actually does with the kids is extremely disturbing, and they go into detail, and they actually have him speak in the words himself, because he actually confessed a lot of these things, you know, or in a guy who's supposed to be him. So, 
if you want to check one out, that's one to check out. Just fair warning, you know, it's don't go in with a sensitive heart that day. And that's all. Loving the show. Bye. Yeah, the, uh, I was uh, I don't really talk about that. I appreciate the uh, voicemail demise, but uh, I was talking the other day on Twitter. I was saying I always know when Netflix changes their catalog of instant watch films because everybody starts watching the same stuff. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, because of everybody using Miso and people and accounts like that, these social TV networks or these social watching networks, you know, everybody's you know Twitter and Facebook in the same movies. And I'm like, why is everybody doing that? And then I'll go to Netflix and I'm like, oh, well, there it is. That's why I've actually seen that Albert Fish documentary before. The only thing I can say about that, not you know, obviously I don't want to talk about it too much, but the only thing I can say about that is, I always say this. Interestingly, I don't remember Albert Fish playing a lot of video games or. Or uh, watching listening a lot of, to metal, yeah, listening to metal, or all these other cliched things that supposedly happen with violence. So, and he was as disturbing, if not more disturbing, than most serial killers. So there you go. Yeah, same with like Gacy, and you know, I find as I've gotten older, Sam, you and I talked about this being a, a parent. Now, my heart is always sensitive when it comes to my kid, and just the prospect of the dark places, some of that stuff goes. I try to avoid, you know, to be honest, watching none of the. Uh, this, the true to life serial killer stuff, unless it's right, something like Zodiac right. or mm-hmm. it's Fincher doing it, just because it just it just crushes me, man. Like it's just right. I try to get, stay away from just darkness like that as much as I can. Not not to say I put my head in the sand, but I, I saw a lot, a lot of stuff when I was young. Like I watched like Henry when I was a portrait of a serial killer when I was like thirteen. So yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's just scary stuff. I mean, and the older you get, when you have kids and stuff, and everybody out there that has kids can relate to this, I'm sure the more scary that stuff becomes. I mean, it becomes really scary. Uh, the re- real reality of it really hits you across the face. I mean, it really does. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you don't have any responsibilities, it's a lot easier to pursue that. I mean, it's the same. we've had this conversation before. When I first got the internet, what I do? I looked at porn and sites with dead bodies because, you know, hey, it was something I didn't get to see. But now I've dropped the dead bodies. <laughs> uh, haven't, dropped, haven't dropped the other thing yet quite. So. Yeah, but you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you do as a young person. You know, full of you know all kinds of you know. You can say what you want to say about it, but that's just something you know young people do, and that's the way it goes. But the older I get, the more I don't uh, have any interest in that stuff. It's just uh, that's just maturity, I think. And there's nothing wrong with it either. I don't have a problem with people to look at it. I mean, young people that go out there and do that kind of stuff, look, that's them. That's their life. They they need to pursue those things. I did. But, or even older people, if they can, they can get into it. It's just yeah. for me. I saw it when I was younger, and I now that I have my my kids. Yeah, it's just time to move on. You know what I mean? Just crush, crushes me too much to fucking watch it, man. That same argument with the Ilsa thing. I mean, I still love the film. I think it's a great film, but it just doesn't interest me to watch it anymore after we watched it for the show. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that sounded like pain and slightly a Diane Thorne flashback. So, <laughs> ooh, it's like ooh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Man. <laughs> Speaking of Spears. Yeah. yeah, there we go. There we go. Next voicemail. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is Lotep uh, posting another call. <laughs> uh, just got back from uh, TIFF uh, where I saw John Carpenter's The Ward where he couldn't bother showing up for the first world premiere in 10 years for a movie of his. Um, <laughs> well. I guess he was stuck in L.A. due to law commitments. Well, he didn't even bother. The movie itself is well well lit and edited well, which is something from the last few movies Carpenter's done. Uh, it suffers from a plot twist that has been so overused in the last 10 years. It's just horrible. Uh, also saw Machete Maidens uh, Unleashed, uh, Mark Hartley's new uh, documentary. 
Yeah, the same man who did Not Quite Hollywood. This is about uh, movies being made in Indonesia and the Philippines in the 80s. Roger Corman and other producers went up there because uh, labor was cheap and so was life. And if you like Not Quite Hollywood, you'll like this. If you're a fellow gentleman, you'll probably really enjoy this movie. I managed to talk to him and asked him what was on the plate next. Um, he doesn't like making documentaries. But he said if someone gave him a lot of money, he'd love to make a can- one on Canon Pictures. Oh, uh, nice. So that'd that was be, good. He's also got a new production, yeah. a remake of Patrick, he hopes to get off the ground, the Australian thriller from the 80s. I uh, also saw Guy Moshe's, I think that's how you say his name, movie Baraku, which is an odd martial arts meets uh, really heavily stylized kind of Sin City Moulin Rouge, what? 1940s musicals, what? all thrown together, gunfighters. Josh Harnett is really good in this movie huh. and actually rocks a pretty good mustache. Oh, nice. Uh, I could see him going to Italy if he was an actor in the 80s. He just got that look. Uh, it's a pretty good movie, if a bit long. Uh, well, that's about it for this uh, report. Um my TIFF experience was limited to those three movies this year. I know I sent a message to Will on Facebook, hoping to meet up with him for um, the ward, but uh, it didn't work out. So next time. But anyways, this is Low Tap Out. Okay, bye. It's amazing how many listeners we're starting to have in the Toronto area. It's like, you know, next time I come up there, it's going to be like a uh, like a convention. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, I wish I had got, been able to get together with Low Tip. Um, it's just hard scheduling-wise. Even if it's not TIFF, man, uh, if there's a screening downtown you want to hit, let me know, and if I can do it, I will. I do want to say that one Bunraku got fucking beaten up by that, a lot of the review sites. So. Is, that, is that the one, that, is that the Josh Hartnett one, the kind of crazy yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, the only thing I worry about with that one is is, is, is it one of those kind of, you know, pre-made... Uh, cult films. It just sounds like, mm-hmm. with all the wacky influences, it might be made to aim at a cult audience, like right away. So it looks pretty stunning. And hey, to each their own, right? I mean, yeah. who am I to say, you know, uh, one way or the other? Because um, I like the warden. He he didn't like it obviously so much, and mm-hmm. I understand what he's saying um, about that one thing, the twist thing. But uh, I was okay with it. Okay. All right. Uh, next question. I don't want to load up here. I should have said. My TIFF festival time was fantastic. Nice. Okay, low tap out. <laughs> low, low tap's history is going to be that. All right, so we are back with more feedback. Largely, we might take a small break. We've added pickle loaf to the mix, so you want to say hi to everybody, pickle loaf, even though they're going to hear this last. So I don't understand why you would. So, <laughs> <laughs> hi again, everybody. Yeah, there we go. All right, we'll get back into these voicemails. Here we go. Next voicemail is from Scott in Toronto. Gentlemen, it is Scott in Toronto calling. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing two films at TIFF this year, and uh, I was hoping to get together with Will to do a bit of recording, but uh, we just can't make that work because of scheduling. So I told him I would just phone in my thoughts, and I'll apologize in advance. I I assume I'll cover a lot of the same stuff that he may have done uh, when he gets down to it. So you may hear repeat if you decide to play this anyhow. First film... I saw was uh, Notre Jour Viendra, also known as Our Day Will Come. I didn't see this one with Will. I saw it with my wife on, uh, I think, the night before Will saw it. And uh, I should say, by start, I, I don't. I wish I hadn't seen the trailer before this one. Uh, and I only say that because it was 
really quite different in tone than what the movie ended up being, and that really threw me for a bit of the loop, and it took me a while to get my head around it, but I think I got my head around it now, but I've had to sort of think about this one a bit, because uh, I did like the film. I liked it a lot. Uh, it was beautifully shot. You know, the acting is very, very strong. Uh, and one of the surprises was there was a lot of humor. I didn't expect that at all. It's sort of a lot of really awkward or shocking humor when uh, Vincent Cassell acts out. and He's sort of provoking the younger guy in this movie throughout, and uh, a lot of that is quite funny but a bit shocking. Now, where it fell a bit short for me would be that I really don't think it ever found its, um, its legs thematically. It came across like a, a lot of strong scenes, very strong uh, seeing some great dialogue but ultimately pretty rudderless and maybe that's supposed to reflect the mental state of the two leads but I might be reading too much into that so I just don't know uh, but I just don't think the whole thing the whole thing came together it's been several days since I've seen the film now and there's still plenty of things uh, kicking around in my head there's a head-shaving scene that's just so well-constructed, and the sound design in this scene is amazing, though, with the whiskers bristling, and at one point, uh, the young guy... I thought he was going to say whisker biscuit. Thing, yeah, I think. <laughs> just nicks one of his eyebrows, and it just makes you cringe. My, my wife, like, pretty much leapt out of her seat at that one. <clears throat> The real strong point here is Cassell himself. He, he's the anchor of the film. He's uh, just magnetic, so charismatic. He, the, whole, the whole time you think he's just like this cobra, uh, ready to strike at any point. You know, he's not the most attractive man in the world. And I was saying to Will, when he shaves his head, he's got kind of this, like, Michael Berryman thing going on. Uh, but he's very sexy. I may be a bit gay for Cassell. <laughs> and at the Q&A afterwards, he nice. just had the whole nice. audience in the palm of his hand. Very smooth guy. Yeah, he's I a mean, smooth dude. Who else can get away with fouling a hot tub with two different bodily fluids? <laughs> yeah. So, Dan, I liked it quite a lot. I've been thinking a lot of it since then. But I don't know that I loved it. It was very impressive for a debut, and I'm certainly going to keep my eye on uh, Gabras in the future. I should make one small note. I'm not really Monsieur Bilang here, but I know enough French to note that several times... The English translation was very, very weak. The script, you know, would feature a wonderful turn of phrase or something very poetic. And the English was just so straightforward, just pushing the narrative along. I mean, my wife even noticed the same thing. So maybe they'll have a better subtitling at some point. That was a bit disappointing. Anyway, to end, in some ways, and this really isn't fair, but I feel like the film would have been better if it had had the same tone as the trailer. And that may not be fair, but there's a lot of times I do say that eh, didn't live up to the trailer end, and this would be one of the case, case like that. Anyhow, I'd probably put it in the somewhere in the seven to seven point five range. Very enjoyable. I, I'd recommend it, but uh, something was missing. Anyhow, I'll probably call back later about the twenty second of May, which I did see with Will. Take care, guys. Cheers. All right, that was his first review. What did you give that film? Well, I can't remember. I just listened to it last night. Spot on, seven point five, man. He right. nailed a lot of the same stuff. I'm gonna definitely check it out because of uh, pissing in hot tubs is always a it's a favorite <laughs> hobby of mine. Actually, the smell is is <laughs> glorious to say the least. Um, no, it's uh, and Scott was was really great to meet Scott. Wonderful guy. We had uh, some some mediocre grub with some superior uh, beer afterwards. And, oh, there you uh, go. 
Superior, at the same place, uh, actually. Yeah. Um, superior the, beer. The can, yeah, superior beer can make a mediocre grub better. So. Yeah, I had the saltiest gravy in the history of mankind. <laughs> Was, me, yeah. me and Spiros both, and honestly, it was, it was so fucking salty. It wasn't white and called Vincent Cassell, was it? <laughs> Oddly enough, it did have a French-sounding name. Was it in a hot tub? Yes. <laughs> Partaking of the salty gravy in the hot tub. Yes. <laughs> it was a little lumpier than I would have liked. Oh, no. See you, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next voicemail. Thanks, Scott. We'll get to you next voicemail. <laughs> hey, gents, it's Scott uh, in Toronto calling again. Um, I'm just phoning in about the 22nd of May, a film I was fortunate enough to see with uh, Will. And uh, I was going to discuss it with him, but I thought I'd give a quick call here because we couldn't make our schedules uh, fit. So this uh, this movie... It hit me really hard. It hit me right in the gut. And I've honestly been thinking about it ever since, probably three or four days now. It uh, centers around this a massive explosion and the aftermath uh, from the explosion. And uh, one of the strongest things about this is how we meet the uh, protagonist. It's really an extended sequence that follows him through his morning routine. It's very depressing in this dreary Belgian town and this terrible-looking apartment complex. But the uh, the camera work here, I think uh, he said it was steady cam that he sort of shook up in post production. It uh, it's incredible. It really helps uh, helps a viewer feel like you're right in his life. You got a real relationship with him. And uh, then when this explosion suddenly happens, it's just shocking. The sound is incredible, and then the sound design comes in with this ear ringing and muffled screaming and stuff. It's really fantastic. Now, the director, whose name I think is Mortier, um, he took some real narrative risks here because it's such a high-concept movie with multiple perspectives and flashbacks and people talking to ghosts. It's just so high-concept. High and I think I mentioned to Will that this could have gone terribly wrong <laughs> if someone didn't know what to do or how to hold it all together. But uh, the fact that he was able to keep it together and pull it off really evidences uh, Mortier's talent. And what struck me, I, the more I've been thinking about it since then, is how my view of the various ghosts changed uh. through the film. They really start off angry in a, that, that this has happened to them. But what we realize is uh, oh, we didn't have people really living the perfect life here. We learned over time that most of them had problems, and, and many of them were left with some pretty massive regrets at the time of, uh, of their death. For some reason, that hit, that's hit me a lot harder in this real sense of uh, in a real sense of tragedy. Uh, another aspect is that this bomber, this kid that set off the bomb, you know, he was acting alone, he was completely without any politics or anything. Uh, that made everything more personal to me for some reason. It's just a stunning film, just very poetic. It's beautifully shot. The the music's great, and the, the sound editing is just incredible. So, you know, I think this is the kind of movie that film students should be studying, just to see the camera work, um, the different types of storytelling, uh, the real the quiet moments are terrific. I mean, there's this explosion that I don't think, I think would really intimidate most film students because it's just done so well on such a small budget that, uh, that that's just pure genius. Uh, but the talented ones could still take something from the, from the quieter stuff. Anyhow, terrific movie. I uh, look forward to getting it on DVD, but I think I'll need to buy a better television for this one. 
in score wise, I mean, I would this one's up there. I'd probably put it in the eight point five to nine range, something like that. So that's uh, my view of the twenty second of May. Take care, guys. Talk to you soon. Now, just to back up, uh, William, I think you gave that like an eight point seven five or something like that. Yeah, it, it and that score might go up. It is definitely. Uh, one of the top two or three films I saw at the festival. Uh, it is a buy on DVD, and I will see everything this filmmaker does going forward. He's an immense talent. A lot of good filmmakers from Belgium. Uh, the the uh, that is the Belgian filmmaker, correct? Yes, that is uh, ex drummer, the guy. Yep. Okay. Okay. Corn Mortier. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure I'm not. <laughs> yeah, Corn Mortier. <laughs> so is that some? Yes, there are a lot of filmmakers from Belgium. However, he is Dutch. No. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make yeah, sure. He's from Belgium. Uh, the uh, the uh, the review, when you listen to you talking about the review of the film, I remember thinking that this sounds like a low-budget filmmaking where he had this great idea for an explosion and he built a story around the explosion. So that's what it kind of seems like to me he might have done. Um, maybe, but I think that he had more going on than than just a set piece in mind. You know what I mean? Right. A lot more emotionally and spiritually um, to say than that but uh, but yeah I think he probably had to have conceptualized that first to make sure he could pull it off before he uh, dove in head first yeah alright uh, looking forward to that one too now we'll get into the uh, more regular voicemail so Loaf can get more involved <laughs> sorry <laughs> here we go gentlemen <laughs> I'm driving the jeep down the road. Guy's got like nine cars. Going to a junior high football game. It's Thursday. It's wet and rainy. <laughs> and the lanes are uneven. <laughs> and uh, as of right now, I am uh, in the construction zone. Going 50 miles an hour into the void. But alas, what is sustaining you through this monotonous drive in the Amnesty International Dr. Zom Jeep? It is Large Williams' coverage of Jeff. <laughs> Sucking down some Mickey D's and listening to Large William talk about cocks floating through the air like clouds on a breezy day makes me long for the heady days of the Belgian Congo fighting the Bantu and well anyway so anyway I just wanted to call and let uh, Lars really know that I really appreciate him putting in the time and uh, recording uh, in all that uh, noise and uh, stuff <laughs> This is Dr. Zom <laughs> and um, heading for football. Let's go, Dr. Zom. Let's go, Dr. Zom. <laughs> All right, that was that was his his his, his mobile uh, voicemail. <laughs> oh man, oh my lord! I'm just noticing that Large William just posted a nothing my love can't fix video. Thank you, Large William. Welcome. <laughs> Did you guys see on the Facebook the picture I posted this morning of uh, Mr. Stingray? Did you see my response? <laughs> no, not yet. I got, I got to look for that. I'm looking at my. I love the soft white dream border around the photo. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's a little cleaned up. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, 
yeah, good old Dodger Zom there. I don't really have a whole lot to add. He pretty much fills in all the voids himself. So, How do you follow that up, really? Uh, it's, it's hard, but unfortunately, Loki is the one that has to. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> Here's Loki. <laughs> hey, gents. It's uh, <coughs> Loki, Christian, whatever you want to call me. Uh, just calling in to say I'm looking forward to the rest of the TIFF coverage. I listened to the uh, first one that came out. Looking forward to the... Uh, <coughs> 100th episode whenever that comes out uh, I know I voted in the poll on Palaver but uh, I just wanted to give everyone a heads up in the Gentleman Nation or whatever we're calling our, us uh, there is a large group of uh, my friend Jeff is putting on a bunch of movies in Syracuse, New York uh, and I just wanted to promote them because some of them are very Gentleman's Guide October 15th it's Blue Velvet on the 29th, Day of the Dead. Those are of October this year in November. On the 21st is American Graffiti and The Wraith, the Charlie Sheen movie. Uh, in nice. December, on the 5th, it is Centurion, uh, the Neil Marshall movie and Shogun Assassin. On the 10th, it's Death Wish 3 and Vice Squad. I'm really looking forward to that one, guys. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, 19th is Prom Night with Jamie Lee Curtis, the original one, uh, Saturday Night Deadly Night. In January of uh, 2011, on the 16th, it's gone 60 seconds to 1974 and Tulane Blacktop. On the 29th, it's my friend Jeff and my friend Vinny's birthday, and there's going to be a music fest and musical movie fest. Uh, Terror of Godzilla, Humongous, Motel Hell, Troll 2, Blood Diner, and Last House on the left, the Wes Craven original with bands playing at some point later. In February uh, is February 11th is Hair, February 25th is Die Hard Part One and Switchblade Sisters, March 6th is Big Lebowski and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, April 8th is Rabbit and the Brood, uh, the 29th is Porky's and Revenge of the Cheerleaders, and that's it right now. I know I'm going to several of these. I'm pretty sure Phil from Syracuse, who I've met, is going to be at these two. I'm looking forward to seeing these and supporting the GGTMC with Phil. All right. Bye, guys. That is uh, an amazing lineup of movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, seriously. I mean, he just keeps run- he just keep running them off, and I'm just like, Jesus, just won't you stop? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of great stuff in there. I would say, Christian, uh, not to be not being facetious, but uh, with a lineup like that over that spans over uh, several months, you would probably be better served to call us, you know, three or four weeks out from each one, because I think he was talking right into February there, and I, I wouldn't want anyone to miss. Uh, what was it? The Vice Squad and um, oh yeah, yeah, and something. Death Wish Three, Death Wish Three Double Bill. Oh, that's so, a, that's like the most amazing double bill I've ever heard of. <laughs> that's a great double bill. So call us back right before these uh, uh, come up, and you know, yeah. Well. Remind everyone. All right, he sent in another voicemail here. Let's get get that one going. Hey guys, it's Christian again. I feel like I'm Rupert calling into show show. I'm calling in a lot, but whatever. Um, another, I just found out they're also showing Bronson October 16th in Syracuse. Jesus fucking Christ. I watched that on Netflix, Simpson Watch, on your recommendation. I loved it, but I'm definitely going to go see it on the big screen because it was just so goddamn awesome. Oh, jeez. All right. Sorry about calling in twice, but whatever. All right. I'll talk to you later, guys. Bye. Never apologize for coming back for twosies. Yes. Whatever that means. 
Jesus. But please, please don't rub it in anymore. I mean, it's almost like they're it's almost like rubbing in at this point to me. It's like, uh, oh yeah, by the way, they're gonna show Bronson too. It's like all yeah, that. I know. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, just rolling along. We only got a couple more left here. So next one's from Sean. Hello, this is my favorite gentleman. It's Sean from Chicago, Colin. I uh, just wanted to uh, take a second to thank Willie for mentioning uh, John Carpenter's Starman. Uh, I do think it is a really underrated film in Carpenter's filmography, and I, especially for Bridges' performance, which, as he said, was nominated for an Oscar. I think it may be one of Bridges' best performances, and uh, definitely is Karen Allen's best performance. I think together there's a great chemistry there um, that I wish would have been explored in future films, but... Um, Anyway, to go from uh, the nightmarish, almost classic The Thing, I think is why uh, people don't really recognize the greatness that is Starman. And, uh, you know, I too get choked at the end of that movie. I think it is one of his greater works uh, that people don't really recognize. So thanks for mentioning that and uh, enjoying the On the Run coverage at TIFF. Uh, you guys are always the greatest. Touch I'll agree with you guys that uh, Starman chokes me up, but it doesn't nearly choke me up as much as Stingray uh, <laughs> taking one in the eye. But that ca- yeah, it causes something else to be choked. But yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? What is, what is Will talking about there? <laughs> but yeah, but but the Stingray aside, I do want to say I'm glad he bring, does bring up Karen Allen because her performance is often overlooked, and she is great in the film. Well, Karen, Karen Allen's a great actress. She over she's overlooked in a lot of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she's always remembered for uh, you know the Spielberg stuff, and especially that last thing she did, which was terrible. But uh, I don't know why she's always remembered for that. I always remember from all that stuff in the seventies stuff. She's really good, man. She was a really good actress for a while. Always oh, had yeah. always had a thing for her back in the day. Especially in Animal House, for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it was because she hung out with a half nude Donald Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it for anybody. Yes, yes. Yeah. A half new Canadian walking around, <laughs> look, <laughs> looking for a donut and a coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's going to take that donut. You, you know that children's toy with the post with a different size rings yeah, yeah, on it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, next voicemail. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is Phil. How are you guys doing? Hey, I know you're covering Gary Busey and Bulletproof, so I thought I'd share a Gary Busey story with you. This is pretty great. Uh, Gary Busey was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago <laughs> at Horror Find Convention. He was fighting the Civil War, uh, probably. Amongst others were David Hess, Adrian <laughs> Barbo, Dick Miller, George Romero. It was a good time. Excellent. My first time I've gone to one of these uh, fan conventions for uh, celebrities. Anyway, so... We're on the way down there with a couple of my friends, and we're all just bullshitting about movies and talking about the celebrities there. And Gary Busey came up in conversation. We were quoting lines from Bulletproof, just having a good time, blah, 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 blah. So we get in there, and, you know, you have to pay for uh, photos and um, autographs. You know, I have no problem with that. You know, these guys need to make their money in their, in their salad days. So, you know, Gary Busey, I think the going price is about 20 bucks, whatnot. Um, so, um, this is about a couple hours into the convention, and we were there walking around, and my friends were talking to David Hess, and Gary Busey was across the way next to his son, Jake. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, he gets really upset and starts coming towards me, and I go, what? He wasn't coming towards me, he was coming towards the staff photographer of the hotel who was taking pictures of the celebrities and 
he just took like real offense to it, like he was robbed twenty bucks. And starts <laughs> just screaming like, "You owe me twenty dollars!" Still, and then like, "Oh my god!" He's standing like six inches away from me, and I just turned to my friend Colin, who's like, uh, you know, talking to David Hess just a few feet away from me, and I just gave him this look like, "Ah, oh, I'm." I'm Oh, I'm enveloped in this shitstorm of Gary Busey. This is so wonderful. I just had this blissful <laughs> look on my face. This is so cool. And uh, oh, it was just fantastic. So that was my brief brush with uh, the shitstorm of Gary Busey. It was nice. fantastic. Nice. He stormed out of the room, bumped into the human centipede girls. And, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. After about five minutes, he came back and he calmed down. But uh, it was fantastic. I had a good weekend. So that's my brief <laughs> Gary Busey story. Touched with greatness. I don't know if he's uh, going to be at the uh, convention you're going to in Cincinnati in November, but whatever you do, don't take a picture without paying. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Let me tell you, if Gary Busey was there, he's one of the few people I would actually pay $20 to get an autograph and hang out with for like five minutes because that guy's just insane. Uh, yeah, that, that's twenty dollars well spent. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that he bumped into the, the human centipede girls. My thoughts are always like, uh, you know, the Galloway butthorn. <laughs> well, he, he, there would be a butthorn of sorts going on if he decided to. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't want to hook up to that centipede. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting there thinking about Jake Busey and Gary Busey sitting next to each other at a table, and I'm sitting there thinking it must look like a grand piano with all those teeth. <laughs> 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 those two men. <laughs> I just totally thought of like the Looney Tunes, you know, whenever the coyote oh, yeah. would get a piano on the head and do the yeah. big smile with our Tom and Jerry. I think they did that gag too. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. But that's all the feedback, Large William and everybody else. That's it. A lot of voicemail, but that was two weeks of it. So there you go. We can do our pleasantries and talk about episode 100 because I think it's official now. It is official. Sorry, I was looking at the Tiff Lightbox schedule, man. There's just some unbelievably good stuff in there. I know Bogdanovich is going to present The Searchers and Citizen Kane. In October. Uh, this makes me sick. Cronenberg <laughs> presenting Videodrome. Um, uh, John Waters presenting Salo. It's going to be outstanding. Yeah, hear, hear me and Lofar in the lowly south, and we're lucky if we get Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know. Well, if you want to know something, <laughs> as close as I am, I won't be able to do most of it because of scheduling. So ah, yeah, yeah. Don't, feel, don't feel too bad. Um, but I'm still proud that it happens in my city. Yes. So let me... Uh, I've been recording standing and then sitting um, so my back doesn't stiffen up and... I don't sound uh, like I'm getting sucked off in an alleyway. Um, so we're again, sorry. again, I know <laughs> exactly. Okay, now uh, episode 100 is approaching us. We'll talk about that in a minute. Did we want to talk about the OMG giveaway now, or how do you want to do that, Sammy? Yeah, we can talk about it now. Why not? Okay, uh, Martin, our good friend from OMG, has been gracious enough and charitable enough um, that. Uh, He's offered a lot of very, very cool stuff to give away as part of our 100th episode, um, including, uh, I believe, a couple uh, Raro box sets of the Milieu Trilogy. Nice. Um, I believe there was also a Nazi exploitation set in there. Um, and I believe, let me just see. Okay, here it is. Uh, let me just see here. He's got the Night Train Murders. Sweet. Uh, a Nazi cult collection. Which is a six DVD box set with Elsa Fraulein SS, Jailhouse Wardress, Helga Sheewolf of Stilberg, Convoy of Girls, Special Train for Hitler, and Natalie Rescued from Hell. Uh, the wow. DeLeo four disc box set also comes with Rulers of the City, which is Mr. Scarface. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to give away one of each of those. 
I should say, sorry, I misspoke, uh, as part of the 100th, all you have to do is send your email in and say contest. And also, I would say that when you do that, include the words thank and you, Martin, because <laughs> yeah. this is incredibly charitable. Martin's not some big conglomerate in a building yes. that looms over the, the horizon of Amsterdam. The canals. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's, uh, you know, he's very, very kind of him to do that, to, to commemorate our 100th episode. So with that being said, go over there and check out uh, everything they have. they got a lot of great stuff going on over at his site. They're always adding new stuff, um, so check it out weekly. And, of course, the promo code is GGTMC10. Yes. Um, did we want to talk about the other thing that we've been corresponding with a certain female from a certain company about, or do you want to sit on that? Uh, we'll sit on that uh, for the... Okay. When we, when we announce when we do the interview, we'll sit on that for a little while. Right, and that's a really big one, too. Um, Horrorhound Weekend's November, rapidly approaching, 60 days away or so, and it's going to be incredible. Um, sister Shows, Show Show, OTC, check them out. Check out, and the, of course, Shocktoberfest, as the hat uh, <laughs> calls it, is rapidly approaching. Yes. Um, of course, check out Family Movie Night, Chinstricker vs. Punter. Cinerama, 35mm Heroes, NOTLP, Girls on Film, who will be covering Hands of Steel next episode, The Big Red Podcast, Movie Meltdown, Paleo Cinema, The Podcast that Dreaded Sundown, Cinecultania, V Cinema, Action Attraction, Better in the Dark, and all of your other favorite shows, uh, most of which can be found at palaver.com. Some say palaver, I say palaver. Um, of course, check out paracinema.net for... Um, the greatest couple in NYC putting out the greatest genre magazine in the land, yes. Paris Cinema. Yes. Uh, NightmareTheater.blip.tv and of course HorrorCommentary.com. Uh, blogs, we have The Loaf at PickleLoaf.blogspot.com and of course these are all followed by Blogspot.com. Uh, Rupert Pupkin Speaks, Deadly Dolls House, Rach on Film, Chuck Norris Ate My Baby, Death Rattle 13, Heaven's Trash, Lightning Bugs Lair, Naked Eskimo, Big Suck Loser, and of course Funky Sixteen Corners, which is .lunarpages.net. Uh, Cinema Day Bazaar, that's cinema-de-bazaar. Promo code GENTLEMEN for all your uh, hard-to-find genre needs. And uh, other than that, Podcast Alley. Uh, we're getting smoked over there, guys. Let's uh, represent. And um, iTunes, friend us all on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, which is twitter.com backslash GGTMC, Large William, Pickle of 10, and Bob Freelander. Yes. Um, Of course, there's also a donate button on our page if you want to send us uh, money. That's certainly your choice, and we won't say no. Yes. (laughs) Um, The last thing I want to say, which is a really big thing, and it's it's one of the coolest things uh, to come our way in a long time. Um, Aaron of Death Rattle fame, uh, has put a lot of time and effort into putting in something that I think if Sammy and I had have designed ourselves wouldn't have looked as, as fucking great as this. Um, and it's finally time to unveil it. It is the GGTMC blog. Uh, we're eventually going to try to slide this as our our homepage once we work out a few logistical things. But for now, go to the GGTMC.blogspot.com. Uh, and Lof, you got to check this thing out while we're on air, man. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I've it been is, invited, but I haven't actually been there yet. It is beautiful. Uh, it's got all of our episodes. Uh, it's got great writers like Emily and Matt and Aaron and Lightning Bug, and I'm sure probably Loaf and us and a bunch of other people. They're going to write reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just fantastic. I mean, just the and I know Dylan worked on the uh, the um, the, logo. the masthead. Yeah, the logo. It's beautiful. I mean, it really is a sight to behold. Very um, cool. Yeah, it's really nice looking stuff. Um, so go check that out. That's going to be something that's really going to be a big part of our show, and it's something we've kind of dreamed about for a long time. So yeah, you're going to see me writing stuff, and I'll be writing the word "fantastic" with a V, bastards. Yes, as will I. Uh, and he's actually been Aaron's reviewed "La Venganza de los Punks" as the first review on our <laughs> on our site, and we've got yes. uh, Tarzan in a fucking dunce cap of sorts, or a clansman cap of sorts. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's going on there. That's his, he's leading a satanic ritual. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so great stuff. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, do you want to talk about what we're covering next week, Sammy? Yeah, we, we put the poll out, and if you're not members of the Power Boards, then you should be. Uh, we got, uh, I think, like 29, 30 votes and stuff, but uh, we had it came down to two trilogies, uh, the uh, Schoolgirls in Peril trilogy. And the Man With No Name trilogy. I kind of had a feeling the Man With No Name was going to win, and I guess I was right because, you know, it it came in. And that's okay. I mean, some people were on the boards were saying, you know, oh, yeah, the gentleman, you know, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. But, hey, you know, we're going to cover everything at some point. So uh, it'll be our chance to get Leone on the show, which we've been trying to do forever. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So next week we're going to be talking about the Man With No Name trilogy. So there'll be a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So... That should be an epic episode. <laughs> Only fitting for 100. Yeah. So, and also, you know, anybody wants to call in, congrats for our 100 episode. We appreciate that next week. So, I hung on to a couple this week. So, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it more next week. But that is next week's show. That's really all I got. Anybody else got anything they'd like to say at the end here? <laughs> I got a baby moving around. He's going to be in the intro. That's obvious to me now because I hear him in there kind of Uh-oh. talking to himself. Nice. <laughs> okay. I, I guess I don't have anything else. Loaf? I'm good to go. Yeah, good to go. Okay, so with that, we'll say, oh, hang on, let me get the, uh, before I say adios and then sit around and bumble trying to find the outro, I'll uh, <laughs> do that now. All right, uh, I'll say adios. 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 And, of course, the intro's taking forever. There we go. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 